Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black Talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com Hey. Oh. Hi, Doris. What brings you all the way down here to the third sub-basement? The general needs someone to give a guided tour for a bunch of senators. You think you can handle it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I can handle it. Good. Senators are in the general's office now. Raymond, you don't like me, do you? What makes you say that? You never seem very friendly when you bring top secret documents to the office. Sometimes it seems like you don't even know I'm around. Oh, well, it's just that I'm preoccupied with my duties. I just want to make good here, that's all. You're very ambitious, aren't you? Yeah. I want to be the best reproduction section chief they've ever had. But you are. Everyone says you're doing much better than expected. Well, I certainly hope so. Well, gentlemen, our Mr. Freeman, he'll conduct your tour. Senator Barton, Senator Chambers, Senator Wilson. Right this way, gentlemen. General, I'm delighted. A member of your personal staff already. Now, that's integration in action. You know, that's not a bad idea. Put him on my personal staff. If he doesn't bungle this tour, we'll keep him up here. Yes, sir, we can put him out in reception. All our visitors could see we're integrated. The refinement, that's putting the finishing touches on what they have set up. And that's, they are in the process, really, of doing all of these now. But they are doing it. No, you don't specify any place like that. See, because you're on record, tapes, all like that. So you don't ever want to say anything that you wouldn't say in court. Because you are in court and you're on trial. So the refinement means... For the most part, we're not going to call niggers, niggers, all right? We're going to call them Miss Jones, Miss Brown. We're going to give large numbers of them. Now, there's going to be a lot of this, and you should try to be in on it. 
large numbers of black people are going to be making scads of money. They don't care which ones they pick. This, it's called showcasing. They have looked at the number of people on the planet under this refinement system, and they are going to do it by, just like any business, white supremacy is a business, we're going to have a large percentage of black people that we're going to put out front, spooks by the door, <laughs> making excellent money, being able to show off wonderful homes on television, walking from room to room, young black people making money like you wouldn't believe. Of course, we're not worried about it. We're going to get it all back. See, they don't know that. See, they're not prepared to send it on somewhere else because we are the someone else. All right? Okay, they got that figured out. They are, you know, they are masters of this thing called economics. They are money masters. Getting to the refinement, just want to finish right quick. And they're going to run. It used, they used to be able to get by with Lena Horne and Joe Lewis and just a few others. Now they're going to have millions of black people who are very comfortable. But they're going the most of the millions of black people on this planet they're going to do a job on them like you wouldn't believe. Now, you might say, oh, that, that, that doesn't include me. I mean, got to, because you're dependent. On whom? What? What are you dependent on? The white supremacists. That's who you work for if you work at all. You got to go on their job and meet their requirements. They're not meeting yours. So you are dependent and then they do not have your interests at heart because that's why they are white supremacists, which means, white supremacy means you dominate non-white people. Tell them what to do, and they better do it. And when they try to tell you what to do, they better ask. They don't tell. That's the difference between asking and telling. Now, do you know any black people that are white people around anywhere on this planet? And you might say you work in a place where there's a black supervisor and he's got a whole bunch of white people under him. Not true. Who does he answer to? So he's just what? Messenger. Different between Karen, you know, you see messengers in the building and whatnot. You know, they call him a supervisor, but that's what he is. A messenger. If he's on this planet. Or she. Because the supreme advice demands come from racist man and racist woman. And they are classified as white. A black young lady said this to me about 1970. She said she thought that her father was God Almighty. When he walked into that house, I'm telling you that he, he knew everything. He knew how to do everything. She looked up to him like a god. Any questions that she had, go to dad. Dad's got it. Strong black man. That's how she saw him. Huge when he walked in the door. Can handle anything or anybody. She said she made the mistake of going on his job one day. And a little white boy, she said, 
about one quarter his age, talked to him like he was nothing. And she said it frightened her to death because she suddenly knew that she was alone. That's a part of the territory. I mean, Malcolm was out there by himself at one point. Martin Luther King really didn't have anything going for him enough to stop that bullet that was going to hit him when everybody got everything in place to take him out. Nelson Mandela sat there for 27 years, couldn't go nowhere. So he just had to wait until the people got in a frame of mind where they said, hey, we not only want a whole lot of changes around here, but we want Nelson out of there. We know you got him. Nelson couldn't do anything in there. All right? See, so that goes with the territory. You can't, on a job, this is important. Those 15 or 20 black people who say, I'm with you, bro. <laughs> don't believe it. That's the United Independent concept. That's what we mean by United Independent. See, you are alone. This is what a codification is supposed to help you with. Now, 9 o'clock the next day when everybody, you know, you go around looking for everybody and whatnot. Some of them took off and didn't come in all this kind of stuff because they knew that they were supposed to go down to the front office today. But the code says that's what you plan for. See, somebody mentioned plan, right. See, this is why we need a plan. The plan says you're always alone. Because, see, they're going to fix this. They might, in some instances, and in some parts of the world, they're already doing it, where you can't even talk to nobody. So you're alone. Only people you can talk to is them. So you have to know how to codify what you're going to say when you're talking to them. And you are alone. You've got nobody with you. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, August 11th, 2016, so I have been told. Our weekly caucus on workplace racism. Uh, this is a program that is not designed for spectators. Uh, this is not a broadcast where folks uh, can sit back and put their feet up and decide I'm just going to listen uh, for the next hour or so and hear what is said. Uh, this broadcast is very much designed uh, for folks to be active participants. Uh, I am certain, I am certain there is no way that all of the people who are listening live and or people who are listening on the phone, uh, there is no way if you are employed, have been employed, that racism, white supremacy I'm pretty sure it's been a problem for you on the job at some point. If it was not a problem today, yesterday, at some point this month, I'm sure it has been an issue for you throughout your career, regardless of where you happen to be on the planet, how long you have been in the workforce, whatever your particular field happens to be. White supremacy dominates all. So just again to prod encourage be active let us not be 
spectators just sitting back on the sidelines chime in share a thought particularly if we have any folks who are as they call it self-employed we definitely would like to hear from you in terms of how racism white supremacy has been a problem uh, for black entrepreneurs things that you specifically have had to deal with uh, being in business for yourself quote unquote uh, but the number to dial is six four one seven one five three six four zero the code is five six four nine four three pound press star six if you would like to participate that number again six four one seven one five three six four zero the code is five six four nine four three pound press star six if you would like to participate uh, again this is not the sit around and listen let's be active uh, sharing uh, and once again listeners have said it is helpful for them uh, for the folks uh, we have victims of racism who are younger so they don't have an extensive work history uh, it is constructive for them to be able to hear some of the things that have happened to us uh, over the years uh, so that they can get a better understanding of the type of racist tactics uh, that are going to happen, things to be on the lookout for, and then already be formulating some ideas in terms of how to respond. This is what I would say. This is what I would do. This is what I would not say. This is what I would not do. Very, very important. Uh, and I think it's good for a lot of folks even to do some reflection and think back on things that happened earlier in your work career where you may have been uh, a bit more confused uh, and how you would respond differently with the understanding of racism, white supremacy that you have now. So definitely, I'll encourage along the way, chime in and please do not wait until the last minute. Uh, we are here, max we do three hours, so please do not wait until we get to the last 10 minutes, the last five minutes and decide that you want to speak, go ahead, put your hand up now so we can get to everyone, share any thoughts, observations, uh, strategies that have worked out for you. We definitely want to hear as much of that as possible. A uh, quick word uh, you heard from uh, the spook who sat by the door at the beginning of the audio clip uh, where Mr. Fuller came in. Uh, I watched that film. I had some victims of racism who swung by this week and they wanted to watch that neither of them uh, had seen the spook who sat by the door and that scene kind of stuck out uh, in my mind uh, thinking of workplace racism when the main character Dan Freeman he's working at the CIA and uh, the white female racist suspect she comes up to him and says uh, you don't like me very much you you don't talk you just come in and drop the documents off and go about your way and we hear that all the time some sort of uh, accusation or it being presented as though it is a problem if a black person doesn't talk isn't willing to share every detail secret about your entire life that comes up on workplace racism all the time uh, and then I uh, just so happened Mr. Fuller mentioned uh, the film while he was uh, giving his uh, views uh, on white supremacy and labor 
Moving forward, I also think it's important what you heard from Mr. Fuller. You can get the uh, revised codebook, ProduceJustice.com, about uh, being an army of one. You're going to be by yourself. I think that's very important as well uh, on the job. I think a lot of times we've heard from folks uh, being frustrated uh, because other black people didn't cooperate with them uh, on the job and they did not have a counter-racist team on the job, that they were just there operating as an individual. That's what you should expect. That's what the system of white supremacy is designed to produce. Uh, and our job as attempted counter-racists is to figure out the best way to function as an individual, particularly on the job. If you get the help, great, but certainly not expecting it. Moving forward, um, person wrote in, uh, again, my uh, email, if you are interested, untiljustice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com uh, you can feel free uh, if you want to write in uh, any of your workplace experiences uh, if you are not able to participate live uh, and or uh, if you just want to share things and have folks respond as we're going I'll try and make sure I'm keeping my checking my email regularly it again is until justice at gmail. Dot com and we'll share as we go. Uh, we had a person uh, who wrote in earlier this week to share for workplace racism uh, their commentary. Uh, and this person has uh, called in before uh, to talk about her situation. She just was asked to do a self-evaluation uh, for her job. Uh, this is a black female. She also had been experiencing uh, sexual abuse on the job from some uh, white race soldier, uh, white male, he had been doing some incorrect things on the job, sexual things, harassing her and even some of the other uh, black workers, uh, black employees. So she writes in, I still have not heard anything from the advising council at my job regarding the harassment I endured. The most recent workplace racism has to do with the racists on the job changing my work schedule. I've been working from 7.45 a.m., till 3.45 p.m. for most of the time I've worked there except during training. For one day, I was scheduled at 5 a.m. I immediately wrote a note to the scheduler reminding her that I am available only from 7.45 a.m. till 3.45 p.m. and that I cannot come in before that start time. When I returned to work, I didn't hear anything about my concerns with my start time. I submitted another note to the schedule, scheduler, restating what was in the first note and letting her know that this was the second time I was addressing the matter. I returned to work on my next scheduled day and asked the scheduler, did she get my note? She directed me to the transportation supervisor who then directed me to the head pharmacist. We were very busy, so I didn't get a chance to talk to the head pharmacist until the end of my shift. Earlier in the day, while I was in the lab, I overheard the transportation supervisor asking the head pharmacist, did you talk to her? Because now she wants, all of that's in quotes. I couldn't hear any more after that because I assumed that the head pharmacist who knew I was in the lab stopped the transportation supervisor from saying more. The transportation supervisor didn't know I was in the lab. When I talked to the pharmacist at the end of my shift, he wanted to know why I couldn't work at 5 a.m. I basically told him that I am not available at that time. I have other obligations. 
After going through all of that day, the next day I was told that I didn't have to come at 5 a.m. I would work my regular shift. A couple of days later, the new schedule comes out. I see that I'm scheduled to work on a series of days that I requested off months ago for my upcoming birthday. I immediately submit a note to the scheduler. When I returned to work, the schedule had been modified to reflect my personal time off. The next work day, I see that I'm scheduled again for one day at 5 a.m. I didn't bother to say anything. I'm just going to call in that day and get paid time off for the day. Lately, the racists on the job have been hiding the keys to the newer cars that we drive. Usually, when I work on the weekends, I drive one of the newer cars. A few weekends ago, I asked about the key to one of the newer cars. It's usually in a cabinet with all the other keys. No one supposedly knew where the keys were. The next weekend, the same thing. The weekend after that, a driver who is on call asks me about the key to one of the newer cars because he knows I drive that particular car on the weekends and he drives it when he is on call. I drive that particular car on the weekends. Oh, excuse me. I told him that I didn't know and that the key is usually in the cabinet with the other keys. I told him that I thought that someone was deliberately hiding the keys to the newer cars and that, and that it seemed that only certain people could drive the newer cars. To my surprise, during the next week, I was assigned to one of the newer cars to drive. Upon my return from my first route, I was asked by the dispatcher whether or not I adjusted the seat in the car. Of course, I adjust the seat and the mirrors too. I have to make it comfortable for me to drive. He went on to tell me that they had to take the car in for service because of some issue with the seat, but that it's not but that he's not accusing me and that it was probably a manufacturing issue. It was no big deal because it was still under warranty. I told him that I wasn't even at work the day before. He said it probably happened the day before that. I didn't even drive that car on that day. He said he just wanted to know and to be careful adjusting the seat. It's never ending with racists. I have been asked about other things happening on the job when I was not working. Someone had thrown labels in the garbage that are supposed to go in the shredder. I got asked about that and I wasn't at work that day either. The response is always, I'm not accusing you, I'm just asking. End of transmission. Uh, never ending, never ending, never ending. That's the mind frame uh, that we should have. Uh, I think a big part, at least in my view, of counter-racism science, uh, whether it's on the job or elsewhere, is just being in a mode where we are not surprised, caught off guard, as they say, thinking that, you know, this is a good white person, this is a, a white friend, or this is a, a great job, the white people are nice here, they're not racist. Just not thinking in that manner, uh, just constantly thinking that even if things are going well now, even if things have been going well for the last year, three years, four years, uh, that I'm going to remain vigilant, that things could go to complete chaos and disaster in very short order. Just understanding that, 
being vigilant, I think that can go a long way to helping us not be so stressed uh, when it happens, us not being stunned, and then being able to come back with logical, counter-racist responses to neutralize any efforts uh, when they're coming in to blame us and uh, trying to say that we broke this or we messed this up or we lost the keys to the vehicle, that sort of thing. And it seems, at least from what I've heard from listeners over the years, these sort of uh, deliberately false accusations, uh, you know, you broke the trash can, you didn't flush the toilet, you lost the keys, whatever it is, this sort of thing is very routine. I think it's just designed to be an irritant uh, to keep you on the defensive uh, to get you emotional, to get you just totally in a position of being not at ease, stressed on the job, attacking black mental health. Uh, And I think just understanding that and you just have a procedure in the accusation. Uh, Either I did or didn't do it. What is the procedure uh, for finding out if something incorrect did happen? Is there any evidence that I did anything uh, incorrect? And then I think always asking, I think even one of our listeners last week, Always asking, you know, did I do something incorrect? Let's bottom line everything and make sure that's clear. If the answer is no, well, then, oh, you know, whatever. Let them finish whatever they're going to say. And you can even get the the reminder ask in again. Did I do anything incorrect? No? Oh, okay. We can move forward with the day. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Thank you for the information. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. Appreciate the update and moving forward with our day. I think that's always a very constructive way to go to just get that clear. If you are being accused of something or if there's any sort of insinuation that you did anything incorrect on the job. And I would even request, hey, if I did do something incorrect, let me know so that I can get that corrected immediately. Moving forward. Uh, again, the number 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. Uh, do not spectate. This is for folks to share, particularly if you're self-employed. Dial in, share. We would appreciate hearing from you. Folks that dialed in thus far who have a hand up. Line should be open. Uh, feel free to chime in. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Greetings, everyone. Uh, I would like to read a uh, article, uh, and the title of it is "Slighted Firefighter Sues the County." Uh, the article is uh, from the Miami Times, which is a uh, black, uh, quote-unquote, newspaper. And it's uh, talking about an individual that I uh, have worked around when I was on the fire department. Uh, it starts, uh, her name is Faye Davis. Uh, Faye Davis has had enough. For 27 years, the firefighter has worked for the Miami-Dade Fire Rescue Department, climbing her way up through the ranks from firefighter to lieutenant to her current position of captain. But when it came time to be promoted to the position of fire chief officer, Davis said that something other than her qualifications played a role in preventing her advancement. So Davis is taking her case before a judge and a jury. Davis sued the county. Davis sued the county. 
Her case goes to trial in circuit court civil division before Judge Rodney Smith the week of September 19th. What does she hope to gain? I am thinking the promotion to chief, including seniority, all back pay, and attorney fees, Davis said. Davis said her problem started in 2009 when she took the department's written exam for the position of fire chief officer. After completing the 125 questions on the exam, Davis said her score ranked her number two on the promotion list. Additionally, that same year, six people with the rank of chief also retired from duty. Yet, with these known vacancies to fill, no one, has pro no one was promoted. This raised eyebrows, said Davis. In all of my years, I could not remember a chief's list being produced and nobody got promoted, even though six people retired. Davis took the chief promotion exam again in 2010, and her score ranked her as number five on the list to be promoted. However, only the top three candidates on the list were promoted to chief. All they have Caucasian, I say all white. Uh, on July the 1st, 2010, she filed an employee grievance claim against the department. On August the 18th, 2010, she received a written response saying that there was a verbal agreement between the county manager and the firefighters union to reduce the number of chief fire officer positions by two. Her complaint was denied and there was no promotion. Uh, I'm not going to read through all of this, but basically what this, this is describing is the consistent shenanigans of white people in the, in the people activity of employment. They can, they can just shuffle rules as it applies to what their ambitions are, which is to mistreat people based on color. And this is quite common with Dade County Fire Department and other major fire departments around the, uh, this part of the world, the Western Hemisphere, Dade County Fire Department, I think, is, is in the top five of uh, large fire departments, uh, and it is worldwide. Uh, they were... Some of the, they were about the first fire department to go around the world to these different disasters uh, to whereas they formed some sort of disaster team uh, to whereas they were sought out internationally around the world uh, for particular disasters and whatnot. And yes, there was very little or no black people uh, in these efforts. They do get paid also. It's not for free. Uh, and, uh, so just, just, uh, just wanted to start off the, uh, session with that. There's a lot more to it that may be, uh, that probably is pertinent, but, uh, I, I, I figured that the people who are listening to me get what my point is, uh, on, on how, uh, everything that Gus has been saying so far is very relevant. One more thing I just wanted to say about I, I can't think of the, the name of the actor who played uh uh in the in the movie version of the spook that sat by the door but I thought he did a great job of a clinic job of how a black person should navigate on a daily basis on the job I think he did a good job from his acting to play it up to where it almost can be like a, a clinic to be shown you know, to us, 
uh, on how to help us in that type of, in a particular type of work environment that he's on, especially with jobs that have like a training process uh, similar to like military, like, which is the one he was on and also like the fire department. And uh, I'll uh, shut up and let somebody else talk. Thank you. For sure. Appreciate that. I uh, tweeted the article uh, that he, retired firefighter, just uh, referenced uh, from the uh, Miami Times. Uh, if folks want to check it out. Uh, it's titled Slighted Firefighter Sues the County. I don't... Uh, yeah, BGQ. <laughs> they could have picked. I would have probably picked different words and write in the title, but whatever. Uh, you can check it out, Miami Times. Uh, you can read the report to get more details. Uh, folks have other information uh, they would like to share, uh, their own uh, incidents, response to what you heard from our retired firefighter. Uh, you should be with us as well. Copy your volume is a little low. Copy heard now. That's a tad better. Yes. Um, good evening. It's Tom Smith from New York. Um, man, that was a very interesting story um, that the firefighter just told. Um, and I know a few stories like that myself. Um, I have an uncle who was um, in the police force. Same thing happened to him. He's, they um, ended up settling. Um, that was a police force in New Jersey. And I also, um, I, mean, I started working um, in 2000 in a city at Deloitte, and um, the boss that I had was a black male. He was in charge of um, a lot of the service departments, um, making a good salary. And, um, you know, I always wondered, you know, how to, you know, get that position. So one day I was told that his wife used to work there. And um, she was uh, accounting for about 20 years, and um, she was passed over to become a, a senior manager, a partner. Um, she was the trainer. She was a trainer for new accountants. So all the people she's training, they're moving up, but she's not. And um, she settled, um, had a huge settlement out of, um, out of court, and um that's why they said he was untouchable, you know, because it would look bad. You know, they fired him, and um, uh, his wife sued the company because um, she was being passed over. His wife was black as well. Um, so a very interesting story. Um, I only have one this week. Um, uh, the um, white female who I said uh, is very racist likes to come over and talk about current events and things. Um, she came over to me just today, um, and I was having a good week until today. We'll her another people out of work. But um, she came in today, and um, she comes over to me, and she already expressed with me uh, last week how, um, you know, she agreed with Zimmerman and da-da-da-da-da. But this week is, um, did you see that a-hole that um, shot the kid um, running down the street? So I said, oh, no, I knew all about it. But, you know, no, no, let's tell me what happened. So, um, you know, this happened in North Carolina. I'm sure you guys are familiar with the story. Um, the guy shot him from throughout the car garage or whatever. And she was, what a coward. I mean, she from out the garage. I mean, you know, and um, so apparently she's um, very against this one. This was totally different. She made it very clear. Oh, this is different from Zimmerman. 
And Zimmerman, this, that, and the other, but, you know, this guy, he was a coward. You know, he didn't confront them. So um, just that's the only um, incident I have. Uh, I do have a comment on the guy with the cars. Um, I mean, honestly, um, doesn't matter if you're driving a brand new car, company car, or old one. It's still a company car. It's not yours. I mean, I'll just take whatever car they give me. It wouldn't. I wouldn't make an issue out of um, uh, what car, what car I had to drive, or you know, whatever. Um, of course, you know, the white people are going to take the better cars. You should expect that. Um, they didn't buy them. For the niggers, you know, they bought it for the white people. Um, so I would just take the car they give me, you know, they want to give me the black car, I'll drive the black car, you know, and um, that's, what, that's what the job is, and I just keep it moving. It's not that serious, I don't think. Um, as long as they're not messing with your pay, or your, 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 um, they are messing with, um, oh, is that the same person with the time off issues? The same person with the... What was that again? With the issues taking time off and they're switching the schedule as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. That that there can be a problem because um, you know, ultimately, um, most jobs sign documentation, and unless your hours are in that documentation that you sign, um, they can make you switch your shift whenever they want. I'm sure it's written in there sometime somehow that they can have the ability to alternate shifts and change people's um, positions whenever they want. So um, that might be a tough one. Um, I don't think you want to waste all your time off trying to fight that. I would probably try to make other adjustments or look for another job because it seems like someone has it out for them. And um, they're going to make it as difficult as possible. So you either, you know, roll with it or, you know, ship out because they're in charge. I'll leave my line. Hmm. Right on. The uh, I do try to recommend consistently on uh, workplace racism. I know this is a point Mr. Fuller makes all the time that uh, racists are going to be out for you on every job. Uh, that's a statement either is true or it's not. Uh, and I think enough folks here can testify that that seems to be consistent in some way, shape, or form. That is about what you can expect worldwide under the system of racism, white supremacy. So I do try to encourage that folks not get in a, in a habit of, you know, there's racism on my job, I'm just going to leave because you're just going to be going looking for another job where there will be more racism. Uh, one of the things we do want to try to uh, encourage under the system of white supremacy until we can get this problem fixed, uh, figuring out ways to neutralize uh, some of these problems as best we can. Uh, but that's my view. I'm sure folks have uh, different opinions about that as well. Uh, other folks uh, who dialed in who have a hand up, if you have commentary you would like to share uh, of your own or commentary on uh, what folks have shared already, feel free. May I be heard? Uh, yes, Gus, can I be heard? I uh, heard both of you. I guess we'll go uh, the caller from the block number uh, normally does the prayer. Did you want to go first, sir? Thank you, Gus for the program this evening. Good evening to everyone here today. Um, I had to take some time away to rest and meditate and not think about all of the racism, and white supremacy actions that I am subjected to and observed other black people being subjected to. I am still learning. I have concluded that black people's problems 
or white people. White people lie to black people in all areas of people activity. And white people are serious about being serious about practicing racism, white supremacy. I just want to share with you an observation that I had with a black person on my work site. This black person filed a grievance uh, because he had been docked for a time away from the office, although he had explained to his manager why he was away from the office and what took him so long to return to the office, the uh, white management decided to still dock his time away from the office. Subsequently, um, the employee filed a claim of stress and hostile work environment. After he filed the claim of stress and hostile work environment, um, they continue to display actions of disparate treatment toward him, which led him to be uh, hospitalized. Now, keep in mind, I'm observing all of this stuff going on in the workplace. So he was hospitalized, and in his efforts to get some help to his situation, he reached out to a manager to... Uh, in a written uh, communication asking for help regarding his situation. Uh, he was stressed in the workplace. He was subject to disparate treatment and that he had requested numerous times to be trained in areas that he was not properly and or sufficiently trained in. And as a result, the management continued to harass and um, attack him, um, he went out on stress. He sent a email stating that he needed help and that he um, would request that they help him in the name of God. Now, when I saw that request in the name of God, I was somewhat disenchanted because white people do not care about our pleads of help in the name of God. What the manager did when she saw his plea for help said that she was sorry that he was ill and needed medical attention and hoped that he got better and then turned around and sent a uh, security incident report to our security department indicating that this employee may be a threat to people in the workplace. As a result, this employee has been off on leave and has not returned. And the communication disturbed me to the fact that the response from the manager of her being sorry that he was ill and needed to be hospitalized was so insincere. And then to turn around and report a security incident report that this employee would 
be a threat to others in the workplace if he returned to work was a high form of racism, white supremacy. Now, I am struggling with these situations all the time in the workplace, and what is painful to me is that I do not have the authority or the not being able to help this employee to give him guidance to assist him in the workplace. Um, And I see these kinds of acts of racism by white people in the workplace all the time. Ultimately, what they did to the guy when he asked to have his time reinstated, they reinstated his time so that he would not lose the time that he had been docked. But they sent out a security alert that now he is a threat to other people in the workplace. So I'm just observing now whether or not he's going to be able to return to his work site once he gets out of the hospital. And once again, I have had to observe other black people being subjected to horrific forms of racism, white supremacy, and we, what, what is also painful to me is that we think that our pleas of help in the name of God is going to help us. And white people do not care about our pleas in the name of God for help. They are strictly about the business. And my thought is they intend on get, getting rid of this employee out of the workplace. Who is a black male, which, again, I am seeing black men being purged in the workplace on a consistent and daily basis. No further comment. Wow. Thank you for the detailed analysis that is uh, striking on many accounts. Uh, I'm sure a lot of folks can uh, can relate. Uh, and again, that's one of those things just in terms of, of words. I know that was one of the, the one aspect of the frustration that you articulated in terms of being in this position and not being able to, you don't have the authority uh, to remedy the situation, to help this uh, black employee who's being mistreated, who's being terrorized, really, not being able to help him uh, where he reaches out for help, saying that he's not being treated correctly, and then he gets further victimized and labeled a security threat, like, oh my gosh, you know, we've got a crazy uh, nigra here that, you know, might come in and, and shoot the place up. Like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> like that is, st- I'm sure that happens a lot on the job where a black person reports that they're being mistreated and then it gets flipped around that you're angry, aggressive, we're afraid uh, because you just seem so hostile uh, in the comments that you're making and talking about what's happening to, I'm sure that is standard operating procedure uh, but that that is a difficult one I know that's at least one aspect that I can can really emphasize in terms of just the wording uh, you know exactly as you stated you do not want to make a report that is uh, appealing 
uh, to the morals of racist man, racist woman, or appealing to them on some uh, spiritual or religious level. Uh, that's, I mean, they are practicing the religion of white supremacy. Uh, there's no sort of uh, appeal to, you know, humanity uh, and to the quote unquote better angels amongst them to, to do right. You really want to make the appeals about what is policy and procedure uh, in the workplace, uh, even the Constitution, as Mr. Fuller always emphasizes. That's more the route that you want to go in terms of uh, is what is happening to me, is this correct procedure, is this in line with the policy and procedure that we're supposed that we've all agreed to a practice here to begin with. And if not, why? And you can explain, they can explain uh, if it's a deviation. But that is, uh, is going to be tough regardless because I think a lot of people on the job end up being in that position where you just don't have the power to help that other black person uh, kind of get some of their problems solved. Uh, did other folks today have commentary on what we uh, just heard uh, about this uh, situation, a uh, black employee being mistreated? No feedback on uh, that one specifically. And then, Gus, the disturbing thing to me is I've seen this similar situation happen to a number of white people, and they don't get uh, retaliated or mistreated in the same fashion. They get transferred, and the black people are being so stressed out that they're being committed to the hospital. And the white people will have no empathy or sympathy in their pleas for help. And to be able to observe this day in and day out is a toll on one's psyche, specifically as a black man in the workplace, being surrounded by nothing but white people. I, I have a question. I'm listening. Would it, would it be helpful if uh, we, on our entry level to employment, have a expectation uh, that all of those things you're saying I agree with uh, have the expectation that we sh we shouldn't expect any type of sympathy, any type of type of empathy, uh, which I'm not sure on what the meaning of that is. But but uh, uh, it sounds like to whereas white people would kind of like feel obligated to care. Uh, would it be helpful that even before I get to the people activity of employment that I have the expectations that I'm not going to get anything from white people and other non-white people cannot help me in the process? And I agree with you. And I, I've, I certainly have taken that position and stance in going to my workplace every day. And also, when I have shared that position and my stand with other black people, they seem to think that 
there is a level and equal playing field, and I'm the crazy one. So I don't try to communicate my thoughts of when you come into this workplace, expect to be mistreated, disregarded, marginalized in the workplace, and don't expect a white person to treat you as you would think that they are going to treat a white person in that same position. And when I have communicated that to some of my black colleagues, they act as if I'm the man from Mars because they just cannot see what I see. And so I stopped trying to be the communicator of what I am observing because I become the pariah. It it would be it would be my suggestion that <clears throat> you 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 kind of like don't uh, don't share uh, as much because what would happen is things would as you were explaining things would turn turn on you to where you becoming you becoming an object of concentration in a negative way from white people as well as non-white people. That's why that's why I said that that the the, the person who played uh, the uh, the the main character in uh, the spook that sat by the door. Uh, I don't know I don't know the the person individually, but he I think he did a great job of illustrating that particular role of a non-white black person in the workplace. Uh, to whereas how the movie went, he was able to navigate through the training process, and as one of the uh, employers stated, they didn't even recognize that his scores were, were so high and he was qualified on every, on every angle to whereas, because he, he really didn't flaunt it around, he, he was very quiet, but yet courteous, as you, as, if, if you seen, saw the movie itself. Uh, it, 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 it was a great, it's a great example. I, I would, I would recommend it for, you know, viewing from that standpoint, uh, if something has to be visual, to use that movie uh, to where as a good model for uh, behavior in the workplace and, and expectations also, what to expect and how to, to, uh, to operate and navigate. And I also, in, in, the, in, the back, in, in the back side of that, it, it, it keeps your mental status you know, uh, uh, up to a level that's proficient where you can function day by day. Because, you, you, I mean, you, you, it'd be too tough to carry that load from criticism from other non-white people, you know, as far as that concern. You know, uh, it, 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 we're, it should be expected from both, from both ends, white people as well as non-white people. It, it, it should be expected. And I totally agree with you, but I can say this. There is a part of me that says in my mind, at some point, some black person that I share my constructive criticism with in a coded fashion will get it. I agree. I agree. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying from the standpoint of totally shut off any type of uh, 
assistance, but be very careful, very careful when you go about, as you go about doing it uh, with that non-white person. Very careful. Because I've seen it a lot of times. Uh, I don't want to use a, a, a metaphor. I, I've seen it come back on the person. Yes, I and, 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 and that person becomes the target because there's not a whole lot of people that's doing that or even have the mindset or thought to, to do that. So it's very, it can very, very easily come back on that non-white black person I agree. and not to their best interest. So, you know, just be careful about it. And it's very painful to see us as black people so wanting to be accepted by white people in every area of people activity that is to the detriment of our own survival. Right. The the rallying the rallying point is is we don't and that sort of thing like that and let's let's uh, talk to each other on the job and 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 make it better and that type that that's not the reality with non-white people but what is possible what is possible is a non-white person being being uh, 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 not subjective, but being uh, rallying around a code that they may create for themselves or the suggestions that, let's say, a, a Nilly Fuller puts out there. You could do that. You could do that. I do think the words also, like if you, I don't know how what your role is in human resources or the type of contacts you have. But if there's any one-on-one contact, I definitely think, uh, and this is kind of you and, and generally anyone who's in a position like that, uh, in terms of the words and how the problem is articulated, uh, where you can recommend, uh, if you know, you are submitting uh, a formal report, that you're being mistreated in some way, that there's some sort of incorrect behavior or whatever the problem is, uh, so that, hey, well, let's maybe let's make a suggestion that we not make these appeals to God. Uh, let's, you know, try to be uh, a bit more businesslike uh, in our language. We don't know if everyone here is even religious. We might have some people that, you know, don't even believe in all of that. So that that might not register for them at all uh, an appeal to a guy that they don't believe in you can present it in that way and that's not directly speaking to white supremacy or anything like that uh, it's just you know trying to give recommendations for the most effective way of articulating your case I think that sort of thing you could probably do without as much of a risk of you being indicted and what are you doing talking about these white people and that sort of thing. I think that could be done. So where you're saying, Hey, let's not submit this as a grievance or a gripe. Let's just try and, you know, submit your report in a, in the most professional business like manner. That's going to be the most effective for you getting this issue resolved. If that makes sense. Yes. I, and I totally agree. And that's the approach that I take when I am engaged in mediation with a case that I have been assigned, I always encourage 
the people who are filing the complaints. You want to stick to the policies, the procedures and practices, and the rules and regulations and ordinances that are in place. And your, your report should state what uh, policies have been violated, what your concerns are, what violations have occurred, and what you want as a remedy to your concerns. I don't encourage any of the employees that I have been assigned to mediate for to um, go outside of the scope of policies, procedures, practices, rules, regulations. Those are the main points that you want to identify that have been violated. Anything absent of that won't serve you to support your report of what has been violated and what you want as a remedy to those violations. Other folks uh, have comments that they wanted to get in on what they've heard from uh, our caller, uh, Shan Wright. And how did you want to be referenced again, sir? It's been a while since you dialed in, and I'm a victim. Forgot. Student in learning. Student in learning. Right on. Uh, any other folks have uh, comments, suggestions, feedback uh, from what we heard from students of learning? Um, yes, I do. Um, good to hear from um, this the student who's learning. Um, um, empathize with your position, you know, because I, I had to deal with human resources quite a few times, and um, I understand that, you know, they they have to, you know, they're in a tough position. Um, I, I, I can't give you any suggestions because you're, you, you would know as you can do resources, so, um, and your suggestions are usually good. It's just good to hear from you because I haven't heard from you in a while. And your story, um, you know, it's, it sounds very familiar. Um, I've heard it quite a few times. Uh, I just wanted to add in that I did try to offer advice um, to an uh, employee, one of my coworkers before, and it turned out to backfire on me. I think we um, spoke about it on the show before, and um, I, I don't really try to offer advice anymore after, unless I really know, um, you know, your you're completely uh, aware. If not, I just, you know, don't offer advice because I'm afraid that, you know, um, I might say something and they turn around and say it to somebody else and that other person might happen to be white and, you know, the snowball effect, the Voltron effect. So that's all I wanted to say. And I want to thank all of you for your constructive suggestions, recommendations, and input, because they certainly help me, and I believe help us all in this war that we are facing. Ashe, Ashe. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from, I think the caller at 1447 uh, spoke up simultaneously with a student who's learning. Uh, did you have comments you wanted to add, sir? Hey, Gus, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Hey, this is Dwight from 
Alabama. Um, yeah, I just um, wanted to comment on an incident that occurred. I work for the railroad. I actually work for CSX. And uh, I tend to call it a white fraternity that I'm just so happy to be a part of. Um, I'm not an engineer or conductor. I don't drive the trains. We actually work on the track, replacing the rail and the cross ties and things of that nature. But um, a while back, we were getting ready to go to work, and it was probably about five or six of us uh, black guys talking before work. And one of the contractors were with us in the conversation, just having casual conversation, and he happened to be from uh, Mexico. And um, while we were conversating, a white guy come up, and I guess he was trying to crack a joke and uh, come into the crowd. So he comes up and he says, hey, what's going on, wetback? And immediately the older guy, older black guy that was in the group, he was like, hey, man, don't you call him out his name. You don't want to be called out your name. You don't, you don't do that. Armadale, and the guy named Armadale, he's like, Armadale, don't let that man call you out your name like that. That ain't right. I, I don't I don't like that. You shouldn't be caught. And and the, the white guy kind of like, he, he expected all of us to laugh and it, and it joke it off. And and so once once the older black guy came at him like that, you could tell that he was like, oh, okay, I may have shouldn't have said that. So, you know, that happened that day. The next morning, you know, the older black guy, he wasn't going to let it go. And so he, we have a group meeting every morning to discuss what we're going to do and talk about safety. And they asked, does anybody else have anything to say? So he says, yeah, I got something to say. I want to know what the policy is on racial slurs. Because I, I, I heard a guy uh, use a racial slur yesterday, and I just want to know the policy. And the supervisor you, is like he, I mean, his eyes got big, and he was like, okay, uh, I don't want to deal with this, but I got to now. And he said, well, it um, depends on who, who said it, what was said. He said, well, the guy come up to him to uh, uh, the contract to work, and he said, what's going on wetback? And immediately the, the supervisor, just he, which was a white guy, he shut it down. He was like, hey, let, let's just talk about this after the meeting. And once the meeting was over with, he made all of us that was in that group write a statement of what was said and – Eventually, the guy, the white guy that said it, got 30 days out of work with no pay. But I just, you know, listening to the show, I, I got several stories, and I don't want to take up that much time. But listening to the show, that was just, in my opinion, of a, a, a show of black self-respect and him not letting it go because the Mexican guy didn't want to cause any problems. He was a contract worker, and he was like, "Oh, it's okay, George. You know, don't worry about it." But, you know, George wasn't going to let it go. He he wanted to talk about it, you know, get, get to the bottom of it. But they did take him out of service for 30 days. Um, and uh, and that that was that, um, that that white guy from that point forward had that other. And, uh, of course, the black guy, he's retired now. But I just thought that was a, a major showing of black self-respect and 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 one one other thing, the black uh, firefighter, you gave me some of the most uh, important words that I've heard was to expect. And once you expect these white people to act this way, then it, then it, you are able to calm yourself down so that they don't get the reaction out of you that they are trying to get, because you already expect that kind of that kind of confrontation. 
And I just wanted to say that, Gus, and I appreciate the show, and I'll mute my line. Appreciate you. Thank you for sharing. That is uh, what I guess your coworker did, this black male. That sounds very similar to some of the suggestions uh, that have been presented uh, during workplace racism on this broadcast before uh, about getting up when they have these meetings, whether it's a daily meeting or weekly or whatever it is, and somebody has done something incorrect, uh, you just get up in the meeting. You don't have to call the person out by name. You don't have to indict them, but just, you know, what is the policy and procedure on, as was stated, making racist comments? What's the policy and procedure on sexual harassment? Uh, And I would even, since it seems like in that situation, uh, the white person in charge got away with not explaining what the policy is. If someone, anybody, non-white person, racist, tried to deviate and say, oh, well, let's talk about this later. It's like, well, wait, well, wait a minute. This did happen, so it might benefit everyone here just to be reminded, or maybe they don't are not even aware of what that particular part of the policy states. It might be in everyone's best interest if we can hear it again that way we're all informed so we can all make better decisions moving forward. Wouldn't that be best, sir? Put it in the form of a question. I think most people would say that sounds logical. Okay, so what's the, what is the policy and procedure on racial slurs again now so we're all aware? And then let's have it. And particularly what he said, it depends on who said it. I might have to write that down immediately. So you're saying that there is a different policy for some people about making racial slurs as opposed to other employees and what is the basis of that difference if there's a difference depending on who says what regards to a racial slur that would be good information to know as well good question to ask i think just based on what you reported uh other folks that we have not heard from if you had commentary on uh, what our caller in alabama just shared or if you have your own experience that you would like to share uh feel free to join in Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. First time caller. Good evening, Gus, and to the other callers. I uh, hate to digress back to the gentleman that spoke about the coworker that is uh, ill. I have a similar situation. I work for an agency in North Carolina, uh, and I have a coworker who has been at the agency. I would say good 18, 19 years. He was uh, due to retire August of this year. Um, This is a gentleman that has always had a very positive uh, exterior, very uh, happy, uh, very um, fit, uh, um, always had lots to say. Something evidently happened in his life, uh, in his personal life, that he was not willing to share. He had gone out on a, uh, I think he had an eye operation of some sort, something not very serious, but something that needed to be done. He had the operation. He came back. He appeared to be fine. He said everything was going good. And so forth. he was trying to get adjusted to his new glasses. Uh, then maybe a week later, he was sporadically calling out quite a lot. He would call in one day. One day it was his car. The next day it was this, it was that. And he worked at the call center, so he's very well known because he was very good at his job. And you could tell after about a couple of weeks something was seriously wrong, but I guess he didn't feel like letting anyone know what the problem was. He didn't 
share a lot of his personal life. I knew him somewhat because we rode the same van. We carpooled, we van pooled from one location, you know, from home to the job, which is about an hour away. Um, but he, I think three months went, two and a half months went by and he kept calling out, but no one really knew what was going on. But you could tell that something was seriously wrong because when he would show up, he was a little withdrawn. His, that ex- happy exterior was no longer. And you felt as though he didn't want to intrude because he wasn't offering inf- information. So you didn't want to push. Um, he would still speak and engage just slightly. Uh, before you knew it, it was three months and he had still been calling in uh, and still not saying a whole lot. And I felt as though it was depression. Uh, I took it upon myself to call him because I did have that relationship with him where I could call him because we were band partners. And I called him. He told me everything was okay, but I could tell something was wrong and he didn't express it. So I didn't push. I engaged another coworker. Uh, to call him because I knew they were closer than he and I. And she called him and he gave her the same story. Well, three and a month, three and a half months went by. He was due to retire this month. He came into work two weeks ago after pleading, you know, several people had called him because I called, actually I called three people, uh, three other black people to call him that I knew that were close to him and had them to call him, of which they did. He came to work one day, and it was on a Thursday. That morning, they called him upstairs, and they fired him. And he had been there like 18 years. And you could tell, it was evident that something was wrong. He was depressed. And it it was just so sad to see that he had put that much time in, and they didn't even give him the opportunity to... uh, resign, you know, after putting in 18 years. And this is a gentleman that's 64 years old. So I just thought that was just very tragic. It was uh, very disheartening to know that that happened to him. And I don't think he still, he still didn't reach out to tell anyone what was wrong. But um, he was evidently suffering a great deal with whatever the tragedy was within his personal life. May I ask a question, the caller a question? Yes, sir. Do you know if this person had applied for family and medical leave after he returned back to work from his illness? Because that is a federal mm-hmm. law that protects employees' employment rights. Mm-hmm. I suggested it to him because I heard the rumors around the office that if he doesn't get in here, they're going to fire him. And, you know, you, those are the kind of things that were being said. So when I called him, I suggested to him, have you filled out the HMLA form? Because that way it'll protect your job. And I didn't want to ask, you know, you know, did your wife leave you or, you know, because that's what people were speculating. But I did suggest it to him. But I think he was so engrossed in depression, it just like, it just, it didn't compute. And unfortunately, it it sounds like a situation where 
the people who are in the position of authority did not provide him with no. the information to protect his employment rights. And I've ex- observed that on many occasions where management knows that these kind of federal protective laws are mm-hmm. in place and won't provide the employees with that information. Right. And most and of the times we don't know going into workplace what employment protective rights we have. Yes. And unfortunately, his supervisor was another uh, very confused black gentleman himself. And I must say that, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, My apologies. I was just going to ask, did you have any reason to suspect that uh, it might have been something job related that was causing him all of this anguish? I, I didn't. He was very good at his job, and everyone knew him. And I work in an agency where there's a political figure, and there would be dialogue with him constantly because he was just that type of a personality, very, very vocal, very animated, and, and very friendly, very good at his job. So that's why I just assumed it was something that was, you know, personal. Um, people had knew, or people knew he was saying that he was going to retire, um, and that's all he talked about, because he was a gentleman that actually had retired from the military as well. And on the unfortunate thing, sometimes with you being informed with the information that might be a helpmate to that employee, when management, who sometimes are often white, see us trying to assist and intervene with providing other black people with information that might be helpful to them, then they mm-hmm. start to uh, systematically target the other black person who might mm. be trying to help. Yeah, I was very, uh, very discreet. Uh, you know, I spoke with the other uh, people that I knew that I suggested that they call, and I don't have any reason, you know, even with their degree of confusion, to think that they would relay anything because they were all previous employees. Did want to acknowledge? I'm sorry to mean to interrupt you. That's fine. I'm fine. I'm finished. Oh, okay. I didn't want to go off over. First time caller. Glad to have more participants, active participants. Thank you for uh, chiming in. I did also want to make sure for listeners, because this has come up before as well, just in going back to what was stated uh, earlier in the broadcast about um, just always being prepared and expecting whites to be racist, uh, because I think this has caught many black people off guard as well. Uh, where you were saying that this black male, that he was very well-known and seemed to be well-liked and he was really, really good uh, at his job, that that doesn't stop whites from practicing racism. If anything, it's been my experience that oftentimes a competent black person on the job might end up becoming priority target number one 
to get rid of uh, just because you're mm-hmm. doing your job well certainly does not mean that you're going to be uh, safe from white terrorist activities. So definitely keep that in mind as well, even if you are the best you could be, you know, the best employee that they have uh, on the job. And it will still just be, you know, this nigger has got to go. <laughs> they did great and we made a lot of money, but they're still a nigger and, you know, we're still going to practice white supremacy. Gus, Gus, yes, can yes. I say one other thing? Yes, uh, and I, I don't, I don't mean to, and I know this is uh, workplace racism, but I just wanted to give kudos. Uh, there's a, a doctor that you have on your show several times. He's from North Carolina. I think it's Dr. Cambon. Is it? Uh, I believe so. Dr. Yes. Dr. Cambon. I remember in 2007, Dr. Cambon would have uh, sessions where it was might be a book review, it might be an author that was visiting his uh, business or his uh, at his store, and there was an author. Uh, he was an African, and he had written a book. And he had he was at the, he was there that evening, and I am much I am less confused today than I was back then. Although I still gravitated to things that were black. <laughs> he had the gentleman, we, we lived close to NC State, and so there were a lot of, I guess, educators there. We had a black man that came from, that was an educator from the university, and he brought a, a date, and she was a white woman. And this is a black affair, but this author, I can't remember his name, he evidently was you know, well-known or his book was known. Well, Dr. Campot noticed that this gentleman came and sat down with his partner, date, and he got up out of his seat. He went and he whispered in the young man, in the gentleman's ear, and he told him that he had to go. And I just thought that was just, at that time when I seen him display that, it made me feel good. I couldn't even put it into words, but I just thought that was just, just so bold. And I just wanted to share that. Right on for Dr. Cambon. Always good to hear an anecdote. Another illustration of uh, black self-respect. Uh, Dr. Kamal Cambon. Visit his website, kamalcambon.org. Kamalcambon.org. Right on. Uh, other folks, uh, did you have commentary on what we have heard thus far? If you had your own incidents you wanted to share, uh, you should be with us. Gus, can I do the prayer? Yes, sir. Thank you. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Uh, good evening, Gus, and to the callers and listeners. Um, just wanted to share my observations Um at the law firm that I am at. Um, It was an interesting week. Uh, One of the attorneys that I support, um, he's been practicing law for many years. He's, he's been, um, he's had his own firm before. So he, he's, he's very experienced and I, his, I'm a part of his team and a paralegal, and he got we got called into a meeting because uh, the office manager, his supervising manager, 
and like the litigation attorney, she's like a manager over the firm, they had been going through his caseload and they said, we're calling an emergency meeting because there's been a lot of red flags on his cases. And so I noticed when we all went into the meeting, it was just, you know, the, the energy and, and it was just dark and it was, um, or I probably shouldn't use that term. It was just a negative energy in the room. And um, they started off the meeting just saying, you know, we have some concerns and we need to, you know, figure out what's going on with your caseload. And so uh, his supervising attorney had started uh, talking about talking to him about the lack of communication that he displayed. Um, we don't know what's going on. There's a lot of dates and things that... Um, that are coming up that it looks like we're, you know, we're going to miss. And they were really upset. You can hear the, um, the tone in the room where they were really just, you know, going at them. And I was just listening. Usually I'm not privy to these meetings, but because I'm a part of his team, they called me in. Um, and so I was just listening and observing and they were, it was kind of like, you know, they were just all just pointing the finger at what he was doing wrong and, and I just observed how he took it. I'm like, this is an experienced attorney, and he's a white male. And he sat there, and after they told him all the things he did wrong, all the issues they had with him, he let them finish talking, and he said, you're right. You're right. I, I agree. I have to communicate better. And he just agreed with them in the most, it was an interesting thing to see. And so after he did that, right after he agreed, he didn't give them any pushback. He didn't give them, he, you know, he, he just, okay, you're right, he agreed. I noticed instantly they all just started saying, well, what can we do to help you? Now, after he did that, it was a plan of action put in place to make sure that he's successful. And, you know, it was detailed. They're like, you know, we got to figure out what we can do to make sure that, you know, you're, you're successful in your job and you're an experienced attorney, so we know you know what you're doing. And is it anything, you know, they were talking about me and his paralegal that we can do. Is, are they doing everything right? And he, he was like, well, you know, no, everything that's going wrong it has nothing to do with, um, with the paralegal and I. And so... He made sure he made that clear, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it didn't mean anything, but, cause it's, but it is true. I just was like, oh, okay. The paralegal, she was just so excited that he didn't, you know, blame anything on us, but it wasn't our fault. And so I did notice, um, you know, again, they immediately started putting a plan of, of action together, and it was detailed. And after the meeting was over, they emailed it out. They're following up for the rest of the week, making sure that everything is great. And then I talked to him, like, I think it was yesterday. The meeting was on Monday. So yesterday I was just, you know, making sure that things were on point as we were wrapping up the week. And he kind of just was like, yeah, I had them eating out of the palm of my hand. And so it was all like a part of his game plan, I guess. And I just sat there and I was like, wow, this is interesting how he – um, just he got what he wanted. It was just interesting how he didn't get defensive. So I just studied that and I looked at, you know, there's incidents where a lot of times when I'm in my past work experience, 
I've noticed black people and even myself a lot of times just immediately get defensive um, when there's like accusations. And I just watched how he, whether it was true or not, he just agreed with them. And I guess because he's white, he, it was, it was, it's a, just a different dynamic. But again, he had the, he, he, they was just doing what he wanted them to do. And so now there's a plan of action in place for him to be successful. And he, you know, yesterday was like, yeah, I had them eating out the palm of my hands. I got, you know, all that stuff that they were talking, whatever. And so I thought that was interesting um, to have that meeting take place and for him to behave the way he did, um, only to make that comment uh, to me yesterday. I thought that was interesting. Um, the other thing that I did notice, um, there's a white uh, female who, she was going around the office asking some of the other secretaries, do they know a family law attorney? Um, she said that she's going through uh, a divorce and she needs um, a family law attorney because her uh, husband, you know, she, they're going through divorce and he's not taking care of the children and all these, you know, these things that he's not doing. And she was like, he's just a deadbeat, you know, he's just a deadbeat dad. And I just, I just, I, I need, I need an attorney. And it was interesting because they all went, <laughs> the, the secretaries that she was asking, they were just so supportive of her and, you know, going, you know, on Google and trying to find all the people that they knew and, you know, you shouldn't have to go through this and go through that. And I thought it was interesting because, I mean, just in my experience, again, I don't hear too many white people or white women talking about Debbie dads unless they're referring to black male men. And so it was just, you know, they were really just supportive of her and just trying to give her all the resources that they could find um, to, to assist her. So I just, you know, sat back once again and just observed just the white lives that matter and how they, you know, aid, aid each other in every aspect. And um, it was just, you know, a couple of things, those things that I made notation of um, this week. Mm -hmm. And I will mute my mind. Fascinating. Mm. That is uh, noteworthy on both uh, accounts. The first one, I think, just that that difference in having this white man not be defensive. Uh, just you're right. Uh, I've been uh, slacking. I've got to improve. And then they put the plan together to to remedy the situation. I, and I think part of that difference, a major aspect of that difference, in terms of him not being uh, defensive. In fact, uh, manipulating them uh, to further serve his needs and, and help him get all this work done. Um, I think it's just, you know, under the system of white supremacy, whites, they know that they are not going to be fired. Uh, they know that they're not going to be treated like a nigger, regardless of what they have done. They could have broken every rule in the policy and procedure manual, but you know, Hey, I'm still white and you know, Maybe I'll get transferred or go to another firm or whatever the case. But, you know, mostly that's probably not going to happen. Whereas for black people, I mean, they fabricate reasons uh, to accuse us of things. And then there is no plan of action, you know, to help us be successful. The plan is you are fixing to be terminated and we're going to have a white person come and take your job. Just that, I think, ends up being just a huge mitigating factor in terms of those situations, how whites can be. Uh, can just perform, behave much, much differently uh, in those situations just because they're not, they know that they're not going to be treated, terrorized the way that a black person would be uh, in that sort of predicament. Um, with the second, the second one, I guess it's just the other side of the coin. 
Uh, white lives, as you said, white lives matter. Uh, this is not regarded as something that has nothing to do with our uh, workplace duties. This seems like extracurricular activities, but, you know, hey, we're all in. Let's let's help each other out. That is consistent. Whites, they form like Voltron. They aid and assist uh, other members of the white race. Uh, they look out for other racists uh, on the job, whatever the situation is, and she's getting help. And again, you know, you can just see uh, the same type of thing. I cannot imagine that happening for a black female. I think even the different times that you've called in to share before, it's black people who are new employees don't seem to get that level of concern, empathy, resources for workplace issues, not, you know, problems I'm having on my own. I can't find storage. I just moved here and need to put some items in storage or whatever other extracurricular problems. Uh, I'm having if this is these are things problems I'm having about how I go about doing my job and being properly trained where they seem less willing to help just those type of things I think also go a long way to just emphasizing the the constant war that is being waged against us when we're on these jobs and why it's important for us to expect that sort of thing and to not be surprised and thinking that you know these are friendly not racist whites because this sort of thing is happening all the time i just think uh a lot of us are not aware we're not paying attention uh we just don't you know we're not cognizant uh of this when we don't understand what racism is how it works what it means to be white but fantastic illustrations just with those two uh two examples uh do you have more color in michigan or folks have any questions for what we just heard That's all for this week that I have, unless anyone has questions. But thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other folks who dialed in, if folks had questions, or if you have your own uh, anecdotes you want to share, feel free. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings to you guys. How you doing? Um, wow, it's been a hectic evening, so I missed um, a good portion of the early part of the show just due to travel issues with the train and all kinds of stuff once I got home from work. But um, I just wanted to chime in um, with a situation, well, update at my job, but then a couple other things too. Um, The first thing was when you talk about um, people expecting the mistreatment from white people, it kind of reminds me of when you have like a new product that you buy from the store and you have an operating manual and that manual tells you what to expect (laughs) from the device that you bought. So there's no surprises. If it does certain things, you know what it's designed to do. When you think about white people like that, I think it kind of brings it home in a way where that's the manual to how they function. Just white people, equal sign, racist. And once you understand that and you keep that at the forefront of your mind, I think no matter how nice they are or so-called peasant they are or nice they treat you, you'll understand that that means nothing, and at any moment that can turn on a dime into the complete opposite. Um, so it just made me think of that. The other thing was um, I wanted to ask you something, Gus. Do you think, because I just thought about this just while I was hearing um, the last about five to seven minutes of the discussion, do you think that the reason white people protect each other the way they do when they do such crazy and hard, horrifically racist and incorrect things is because they know that they are deficient and they, to make up for that deficiency, basically they are assisting each other in their behavior. And I'll give you for an example, like Hillary Clinton. Now Hillary Clinton should be in prison and should not be running for any office. 
she had these security emails that she released with all of this, you know, damning information in it, but yet they're still protecting her and allowing her to run for president. So I'm thinking somewhere in there they knew that she would be a deficient white person, not follow the rules, which is why things are where they are as far as the scrutiny she's under, and that's why they're protecting her. Does that seem logical to you? Uh, I think in general, uh, I think it's like any other uh, criminal organization. That's the way I tend to think about uh, whites. Uh, It's just any other criminal organization. Uh, Number one, we are all engaged in criminal activity, so we certainly are not going to be looking to do any type of rigorous uh, criminal enforcement against uh, the whites, uh, they might, you know, get up on the stand and in the course of them testifying, rat me out uh, in all of this. So, you know, we don't want to have too, any type of too rigorous uh, enforcement of laws against anybody. Uh, and I mean, you can apply this real world over and over again. Hillary Clinton uh, and her situation. Uh, if you want to think about Jerry Sandusky up at Penn State, uh, there were lots of other whites uh, and it keeps mm-hmm. coming out who were informed about that. So we certainly have a vested interest in not seeing him uh, get up on the stand anytime soon because he might indict us for some of our other criminal activities. And I mean, this just goes on and on and on uh, in addition to the crime of racism, but other things. It's not like whites. The only incorrect thing that they're doing is not just mistreating black people. They're mistreating other white people. And, you know, any law that can be broken, these laws are not here for them to follow. They're just here to confuse us and just be a reason to persecute black people practice racism so uh i definitely i think for for whites uh and even if you want to pull in the godfather you know mr fuller one of his favorites uh they help out other gang members all the time now we might fight and kill each other in the street but we are still all in this together and if i can help you all do whatever and it doesn't mess up my business great i'll help you all do that you're having a problem with this if i can use some of the cops that i've got paid off to help you get out of that no problem we're all in that's the same type of way that white people uh operate i think that they know that classification being white being a part of the white race i am in the same business that this racist is so as long as it's not going to mess me over in any way mess up what i'm trying to do yes i will help you out as a fellow member of the white race i think you'll see that in operation all the time and again it doesn't mean that i'm in love with you or that i like you or anything of that nature just we're in the business of stomping on these niggers so i'm just helping you is in the best interest of helping all of us whites stay in the business of dominating niggers if that makes sense Absolutely, because I was thinking about it, and I said to myself, when you were just uh, speaking, you know, if white people did not did not have non-white people to mistreat, they would self-destruct. They would completely annihilate one another. So we are the buffer between their own self-destruction. That's how I look at them, just studying their history for as long as I have. That's a definite conclusion I've come to, and that idea just kind of came to me listening to the program, just about what I brought, the question I brought to, um, brought to you just now. So thank you for that. And um, just to give an update, on um, my work situation, we had this uh, this meeting today. It was like a all they call it an all hands. It's like where everyone um, from our department basically comes and listens to the the VP of the department. And she was discussing uh, because a lot of people have, like I was saying earlier, um, they're making this transition to opening this facility, this huge facility in Arizona. And with that going on, there's a lot of people who have transitioned over there, but there's been some other events that have taken place with them losing half of their network where it's kind of making things look shaky for a lot of people, just these weird decisions coming out of nowhere that's really, really 
shaking the foundations of people's comfort level. So a lot of people have been actually like getting other jobs and leaving. So just about every week, <laughs> there's a certain number of people who just come from all departments that are, hey, today's my last day and that's it. Or, you know, my last day will be this Friday or whatever the case may be. So she said today that um, essentially they had like plans to try and keep as many people as possible there um, as far as what, so that, so that they can get everything set up in Arizona the way they want it. And during that time, they're trying to keep people where we're located to hold down the, um, the, the phones and things like that while they get everything prepared. So they were talking about the different things they were offering as far as um, what if for those people who stayed and the fact that so many people were leaving that it was going to be, it was becoming an issue, which we knew this from like a month ago because people were leaving since then. But it just seems to have really ratcheted up, especially in the last like two weeks. So they were really trying to, you know, pander to us to get us to stay and things like that. But at the same time, the funny part is what I've noticed, too, is a lot of people who have been looking for work have been very open and candid about it um, of all races. And the company is not looking at it anyway because they, I guess, they um, spoke they spoke about previously the fact that they understand that people have to do what they have to do and they understand that things look tenuous, especially for the people who are not on the uh, what we call a care team, which is what I'm on. Um, those, that the people who are in those teams, basically, we have been told that our jobs are secure. I don't believe the darn thing they say. They're white people. They lie. So for me, I'm doing the same thing everyone else is doing, and I have been for a little bit. But like I said, I'm just taking my time um, simply because I don't want to jump out of the frying pan proverbially into the fire. So I'm just really taking my time to make sure that um, whatever job I transition to is um, either just as racist as where I am or if I can – say that, um, less racist, if that is even a possibility. So that's really what I'm doing, just trying to take my time and be measured about the move that I make next, because regardless of what they say about my job being secure, I do not believe the word they say, just based on me knowing white people, number one, and then my experiences for the year and two months that I've been there. Um, so that's my, my workplace update, but, you know, it reminded me kind of like sharecropping, um, like they, they, they do anything possible to keep the slaves on the plantation, even though basically those, those sharecroppers are just slaves anyway. Um, they'll tell you, oh, you're emancipated, but you're a sharecropper now, and you're still stuck on the same plantation where the master was beating you mercilessly, and they're still doing the same thing. They just call it sharecropping instead of just overt slavery. That's what kind of like it feels like in this situation here. Um, and they're just, like I said, pandering to try and keep as many people as possible. And weirdly enough, a female that's on my specific team just found out this evening that she got another position at another company and she's about to make her transition in two weeks. So here goes another one who's leaving. And thank you for taking my call. Wow. Appreciate the update, Roz. Appreciate that. Uh, if other folks who dialed in, if you have uh, either comments, questions, suggestions based on anything that you've heard uh, from any of our callers thus far, or if you have your own uh, situation you would like to touch on, feel free. Anybody that we haven't heard from? May I yeah, be heard? Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to get one last thing, and I, I apologize. I forgot to mention this. Um, on the way home from work today, I was on the train. I usually leave my backpack in, my, in the seat next to me because I don't like white people sitting next to me. And the train was getting crowded. So um, there was a black female that was walking by, so I asked her if she wanted to sit, move my back so she could sit. She sits down, we start talking, and I told her, I said, well, I don't like, you know, to be anywhere near white people, they're dangerous, and I'm really glad that you sat here and made my evening. She started to laugh. 
So we got into a, a discussion about racism, white supremacy, counter-racist, um, um, counter-racist material, as well as counter-racist um, activity. And I told her about the show. I gave her the information for the show. Um, she's highly interested in learning more about it. Um, we exchanged information. Come to find out she's actually a singer from Newark, um, a pretty decently well-known singer. But we were talking and whatnot, and I was able to give her information about the show, about Black Talk Radio Network, and just about counter-racist um, material. I told her about Dr. Welsing's book and a few other things, and we were just able to have a really poignant conversation about how white people function and um um, she might be listening this evening, um, but I, I explained it to her about what tonight's episode was about. She thought that was highly constructive, and she's very, very interested in the program, so I also gave her information on the archive. I just wanted to put that out there, too, and that happened on my way home from work. So, Black Self Respect, thanks again. I'm sorry, sis. Um, you can go now. Oh, that's okay. Uh, good evening to you, just the host, and to uh, the callers and the listeners. There were just some things I wanted to comment on that I heard the um, young lady that told the story about the man that she worked with after 18 years of, you know, him working there, you know, how and how they fired him. You know, they didn't call him in to try to find out what was wrong with him. That's what it appears to me, if I heard her correctly. But, you know, and it appears that he went through something, whatever, suffering from depression, and, um, you know, then they just fired him. And she said something about information because uh, the young man that's going to do the prayer, he asked about family needs and stuff. And I was talking to a coworker of mine the other day, as a matter of fact, yesterday, because a black female, and we were talking, and I was saying to her about information, and I was saying how it, it is almost amazing how people will sit on information and just not tell you things. Because, you know, like she said that uh, the gentleman, I guess his managers just seemed like he didn't know about, I guess, family leave or something like that. And it's really kind of sad because it's like you're, he's the manager why wouldn't he know about, you know, family leave or some things that he could he could have talked to this his he could have talked to this gentleman and explain, you know, now, you know, here it is. you know, sometimes too with information too, all I can do is give you information, how you act on it, but you know, you give people information and um, you know, he wish he could have said to this gentleman, here's this information, you know, you may want to apply for family leave. If he if the gentleman was that good of a worker, sometimes it, it almost comes down to look you're going to apply for family leave because, you know, mm-hmm. I think you're a good worker. You need some time off, you know, so, you know, let's get the family leave where you, he'll be able to draw a percentage of his pay uh, while he's out and hopefully he'll get some assistance with, with whatever's going on with him, you know, to come back because you don't want to lose a good worker. And I went, when she was, t- you know, they were talking about that, that just made me think of that, how information, and I was, I was telling my coworker, I said, so sad, I said, because, you know, I said, it's amazing, you know, white people <laughs> to come up to another white person. I use, and I said, they'll almost literally vomit out information. And we step mm. to the table, and we if we get the bare minimum, you know what I'm saying, that when you have to go find stuff for yourself. So that's why I agree with Gus says at the beginning of the show, and a, a good friend of mine who's a, a general manager in a, uh, like a woman's chain store said, read your employee manual, know what uh, benefits and know what things that you have, because we can't depend on these people. We can't even depend on us as, as, as black people to help us because we're scared to help each other. I, I was telling my friend, I said, 
sometimes you be in the workforce, I said, things that I see going on with black people, and I said, you know, you want to say stuff. I said, but sometimes we run our mouths so much, we get people in trouble. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, this This happened when I was a substitute teacher, which was some years ago, and I was talking to a fellow teacher. She was a regular teacher in the classroom, and it's amazing, with, you know, things like workplace racism. She told me this was another black female, young teacher, and, you know, we were talking, and she was telling me how she was trying to help a parent do something with her child. And she told me, she said, I bent over backwards to help that that day. She said, she's a black woman. She said, do you know, she said, she tried to get me fired. And she said she had made her mind. She wasn't going to help her again, you know, that one lady. Because I was telling her, because I was older than the teacher. And I told her, I said, well, you know, this, let's try not to judge all other black people you come up to, you know, by her. But we make it so hard. And I don't like it because I don't want to get into anti-blackness. But we do, we make it so hard. I think the retired firefighter may have been something, saying something like that. Because you want to reach out and help us because we need help. Oh, my oh my God, we need help. But sometimes you're almost afraid because especially when, you, when you're working, you know, somebody going to the office and talk. Well, you know, Kim told me this. And then and, and put blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, now Kim is having some problems because Kim told this person that, and that person, that this person went back and told them and threw Kim's name out there, you know. And um, uh, I think it's kind of like the, uh, a story Thomas told about telling somebody about the cows, and they went and listened, and they, the guy heard his name, and he said that he was kind of concerned that the guy would come back to work, you know, putting his name out there. Because we know how these people are. And um, so I, I just wanted to add to that. But I, the biggest thing is, and, you know, I know for that gentleman, you know, it's too late. But for us online and, and you know, we have the opportunity to tell fellow, you know, black people, read your, your book. I, I, I mean, my friend, he couldn't stress that enough for me. Read your manual. Know what's in that book. And when, and when, you know, things start to kind of go to the left or to the right of your job, and they say this, and sometimes you have to say, well, the manual says this. See, they'll be shocked when you throw that at them. The manual says this. Or, you know, like, uh, just how sometimes when people bring up things, it's how you say, well, is this what the manual says, how we handle this? See, that, that would shock them right there. Because, oh, my God, this is a nigga that knows the book. You know, they know the manual, but sometimes you know more of it than they would, you know. And so I, I can't stress it enough because the point is we can't depend on them to give us information to help us. You know, I, I think I told my friend uh, one day, I said, you know, we work at this job, you know, and I said, you know, there are white people that we walk by every day who who brains are about ready to explode out of their head. Why are these niggas working here who just feel that we should just not be, you know, in the workplace? My, you know, this nigga shouldn't be sitting at the desert. My this may not say my, but you know what I'm talking about. Could be down around the corner from them, and they still sitting around the corner from me, you know, just, you know, going through a lot of stuff in their mind because there are black people working in the office with them, and black people shouldn't be working in the office, and we have to understand that. I'll mute myself with that. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Hiding information. I bring that up all the time. That's one of the, the key aspects of how this system functions uh, and key aspects of deception. It's not just saying things uh, that are false. It is 
deliberately omitting pertinent pieces of information. That is one of the major acts of deception that is practiced worldwide on a constant basis, just leaving out little tidbits of things that could be really helpful. This is something that happens on the job all the time. Uh, other folks uh, who dialed in, if you had comments on uh, what has been shared thus far, or if you had your own situation you wanted to touch on, uh, you should be with us. Is there anybody that we have not heard from at all? Anybody with the hand up that we have not heard from at all? Can Hello? I be heard? Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Me? Yes, yeah, ma'am. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you. Hi. Um, work your faces and I'll be real quick. Um, this isn't my um, job. This is uh, my friend's job. He had called me at work. He calls me every morning. So uh, at lunchtime, he t- he had sent me a picture of some money. So I thought maybe it was mock money or just something fake that was streaming over the Internet. Um, he's shredding boxes. Uh, he gets there at uh, 4 in the morning. He's the only, there might be one other black, um, but not in his area. There are uh, Spanish, there are lots of Spanish um, males and females, and um, the head conjos are Caucasian. So um, uh, there's no black uh, people in the position of, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's no managers or anything like that, supervisors that are uh, black. Um, he's shredding um, boxes. That was his chore for 4 a.m. And um, he noticed inside of one of the boxes was $700. They were seven $100 bills. So that's what he took the picture of. So he's like, what would you do if you saw this in a box? And so I said, it looked like a trap to me because I, there, there's, there's no reason for it to be in a box. So um, he, they know he's he's going to be the one that shreds the boxes, I, I believe. So he said, I just pushed that box. I took a picture of the money first, and I just slammed that box back up in there. You know, set me up, all these cameras all over the place. He's watching me because um, he... he started to believe that it was a setup also. So um, I just thought that was pretty good that he didn't take the money because, you know, we all need money and $700 would come in handy, but not when it's weird like that. I just thought that was so weird. And then I was telling him, I, I think that's a trap. And he was like, yeah, I left that money right there. And you get me five. Not like that, but, you know, like that. Okay, that's my workplace racism. Thank you. Intelligent move, in my opinion. Very intelligent move, particularly this day and age with all of the visible and not visible camera and surveillance uh, technology that they have in those type of job situations that I agree uh, sounds very much like it could have just been something to set him up so they could call him in five minutes later and say, oh, Willie, sorry, we got to let you go. Sorry, you on the camera can't have any sort of thieving going on in the workplace. Uh, just... Sounds like one of the type of tricks that they would pull. Uh, other other folks that uh, spoke up simultaneously, I think there were quite a few folks. Did you all have additional commentary you wanted to get in also? Hello? Yes, sir. Oh, you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, how you doing? Uh, greetings to Gus, the host of the callers, Melissa's uh, new caller. And uh, before I get into it, I'd like to thank you for the learning a lot. A lot more on the system, and, you know, actually been learning a lot of vocabulary, too. <laughs> but uh, I got a little observation I had. So at my job, there's this white guy, kind of new. Every time he sees me, he's throwing up gang signs, joking around. He always 
you know, saying the slang that they say in the rap music nowadays. So I'm the only person he does this to. He don't does it to anybody else. Everybody else on the shift is white, so he only does it to me. I'm the only black person. So a few weeks ago, we was in a a room. We was doing our paperwork at the, in our in our shift because we had to do uh, we had to do paperwork, mandatory paperwork. And he made an error on his paper, and he asked me what he get in trouble for. And I was like, no, you probably won't get in trouble. They probably just send you a letter letting you know you messed up. And he's like, oh okay. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not gonna get in trouble. And then he's like, no, nah, I ain't gonna get in trouble. And he's like you, on the other hand, if you do it and mess up, you'll get in trouble. And I just looked at him, and he was looking at me, and he was like, you know why, huh? And I, and I already knew what he was going to say. I already knew he was going to say something tacky. So I was like, uh, I was like, why would I get in trouble? He was like, because uh, that privilege, huh? He looked at me and said, that privilege. He said it in a low voice, and nobody else can hear him. And I just looked at him, and I just like, yep, and I just walked out the room. And uh, I think he said that, he was saying that the show, like the uh, brag that he's white and that he got more power than I do. And uh, he was basically saying that to say, like, he can get in trouble for messing up on the job. He he can't get in trouble, but I can get in trouble, making it seem like, you know, he can mess up as many times as he wants and he won't get in any trouble. And he was just saying, like, yeah, that privilege. And this guy does this type of stuff all the time, especially every day I see him. He's throwing up gang signs. And uh, just because I'm black, he's probably thinking, like, all black people are in a gang or something like that. And, uh, you know, that's just what I wanted to say. And when I thought when he did that, I always thought what you always say. You were like, white people aren't ignorant about racism. So uh, that's my observation I had. And I uh, appreciate you for taking my, taking my call. Great to hear. Another first-time caller. Outstanding. More participants. This is not a broadcast for folks to uh, just be spectators, uh, but you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Racists, whites, they're not, cannot be ignorant about racism. And in my view, I think it's also important to recognize when he's throwing up these gang symbols and stuff that that, those are acts of white supremacy racism right there uh, in terms of this is uh, how I am projecting that we should think of black people. They're just criminals and thugs and hoodlums. That's the way that we're supposed to think about blacks. Uh, And I just do my little comedy routine here mocking uh, niggers in the workplace in my view. Uh, but that statement, that might even be one that I would write down. Uh, I would encourage other folks. If you, if there is a white coworker in a work environment and they say that I can do this and I won't get in trouble because I'm white or because he said uh, whispering privilege or whatever, I would write that down. Date stamp, time stamp, all of that. When he said it, where he said it, the whole nine, I might even see if he's willing to sign it as well. Uh, that he said this, that could be the sort of thing that you could bring up down the road uh, if some things are happening uh, where they're trying to cause you some problems on the job to say, well, hey, I mean, this is a work environment where a white colleague has already told me that they think they would not be subjected to the same type of disciplinary action that I would be on the basis of them being white me being a non-white person and this was stated on this date this time boom 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 that might be something that could be useful just to have that stored away uh for down the road but i would even if you don't use it that's the sort of thing that i would definitely write down and i suspect just you doing that and this is just a suggestion for anybody if you want to use it fine no problem uh but writing it down and and i mean just being real blatant about it 
pull out your pen pad, whatever the case, or you pull out your iPhone, whatever, your mobile device, and boom, 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 write that note down, date, time, all that, verify this is what was stated. I suspect he would be a lot more careful about the things that he says about uh, around you. Uh, I suspect he might even stop with all the, the antics about the gang sign, this, that, and the other. Uh, that's generally been my response with uh, with whites. Uh, they see that you're that a person that's being that serious and you know taking note, observations, being mindful of the type of things that people say in the workplace environment. But that's a just a quick uh, suggestion I would offer. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm do that next time. Uh... And again, encourage folks to follow up too. Always good to get the uh, follow-ups uh, from folks if you try any suggestions or if you come up with your own codification in terms of things that you uh, think would be beneficial on the job. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from, anybody that we haven't heard from, do you have question or comments on what you've heard thus far? Can I be hey, good? I heard both of you. Uh, if you can you give us one. I think he was yielding the floor, if I heard correctly. I believe that's Mr. Edward Williams, founder of counter-racism.com. He's been a guest on the program repeatedly and has written a whole book about this very topic, how to support and defend the United States Constitution for victims of racism. Mr. Williams, always grand to hear from you, sir. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to let you know that... Uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying the conversation. Oh, right on. Right on. Glad to hope we are not wasting any of your time and energy since this, I know this is a subject you've talked with us before uh, repeatedly, and we talked about your book before. I've recommended that because you deal with some of these. Any any uh, suggestions or thoughts that you've had uh, on based on some of the situations you've heard dealing with workplace racism? Uh, I have only one. I don't want to take up uh, too much of anybody's time. Um, and that's in reference to the female who talked about uh, the white guy who um, who got the help that he needed, got the constructive help that he needed simply by admitting to uh, things that uh, that he had done incorrectly in the past and, and uh, being called on that. Uh, I, I have been in that situation as well many times uh, and, and had to ask questions uh, to get the help that I needed. Um, I've had people on the job to tell me uh, things that I've done incorrectly or things that they think that I should know. Now, now that's interesting to me right there. You know, for somebody to tell me, uh, well, hey, you should know not to do this. Or you should know not to do that. To which I simply ask, so what happens as a result of me not knowing what you say I should know? Am I helped or am I harmed? Uh, just just that one question, and uh, many occasions, you know, they have sat back and and just kind of looked at me odd in an odd manner. 
I don't know if they were expecting me to fly off the handle or, or whatever. Uh, but that's the question that I ask. And they say, well, if somebody does that, generally the person is held. And, and my response has always been, well, I'm glad that that's the case. Here's the help that I need. And I make sure that I give detailed information about the help that I need. Write it down in an email and send it. That, that's a very good documentation technique. Um, enough non-white people don't do that. Uh, white people know that you, know, you are documenting something when you send an email. Uh, so that's a good technique as well. I just want you to know that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of anybody's time. Uh, this is the kind of uh, group session that I really enjoy where people get to voice their opinions and ask each other questions and things of that nature. So I appreciate you having that on your program. Right on. Glad you could uh, join in, share a thought or two. That is constructive. That is a great question to ask. One I would encourage folks to uh, put that in your tool pack uh, going on the job. Uh, what generally happens if a person is lacking a bit of information? Are they helped? Are they harmed? And see what they say. And then also following that up, having a detailed plan uh, of ways or specific help that you need in solving a problem on the job. Outstanding one. You can get more information counter-racism.com counter-racism.com The Counter Racism Radio Network and the worksite. Great information from Mr. Edward Williams. Um, the mail caller, I guess you spoke up simultaneously with Mr. Williams. Did you want to go ahead and share now? Oh, uh, yes, sir. Uh, may I be heard? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, thanks. Um, greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. I had a, a few just quick observations. Um, uh, some are more uh, smaller than others. Um, the first was I noticed that the the marriage license portion of the uh, clerk website has a uh, list for the racial classifications, and I noticed that if you if you do not want to check one off they have a listing or selection on the very bottom that says refused so i found that interesting and uh there was a, a few conversations i heard by uh some white females one was talking about uh just something like getting food from mcdonald's and saying the, the type of people that work there and it was very indirect uh uh, coded language because she would just like one sentence was, well, you know, they used to have, they used to have college students working there. Now it's people with teardrop tattoos. So there was no response from the other, uh, white people in the room. Like I'm assuming that they knew 
what she was talking about, but it's it's still a certain type of response when they know that there are uh, black people in the room as well. So there was a, a, another white woman that said something about someone being robbed, you know, a pizza delivery guy that was robbed. And then she says the, the infamous uh, proverbial, well, you know, I know this might be racist, but uh, the people in that neighborhood probably can't afford pizza, you know, but they just go to eat Subway. So, I mean, I'm thinking that really doesn't even sound logical. And one part you're saying that they can't afford one food, but then, you know, they can go to some other kind of uh, franchise to eat. So I guess she might have been calling herself a racist. I mean, I could have uh, slipped that question in there, but, you know, once again, I just let, you know, um, the white people continue to converse and uh, they just talked about whatever they were talking about. I just wanted to focus on that part of the conversation. And for my next one, I had to go up to get a signature from a judge because we were uh, low on judges this week. So there was only like one or two judges. So it was me and a uh, another black female uh, um, judicial assistant. And she had, I think, what appeared to be her niece with her. And uh, we was in the judge's chambers and we had to get signatures from him. So I guess she was introducing the, the uh, small child to him and he offered her chocolate and, you know, uh, she accepted and um, she got whatever she needed to get signed. And I guess the child was a little shy to just talk to people. And uh, they left. And when I was getting my signature, the judge, he had his uh, his tablet. You know, they have these, uh, these new devices where people can watch YouTube videos and things like that. He was apparently, from what I could see, like he had finished watching the video because on YouTube, when the video is finished, it shows a thumbnail of what video he was watching. And apparently, I recognize that video and it's this video on YouTube. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's about like, I think it's some kind of game show or an experiment where this non-white person who, who wouldn't be classified as black, he was looking at a guy on the screen and he just says, you know what, I just I just don't like him because he's black. You know, maybe maybe someone on the line has heard that or seen that video. But that that was the video he had apparently been watching. So I don't know if he noticed that. I don't know if he noticed that. I noticed that. I got a signature and uh, you know, I was on my way. But just to put that in context, it was a room full of black people on there with him and apparently he had been watching that. So um I found that significant. And one one last incident was uh, when I got that signature, I came back downstairs and uh, I told the uh, white female supervisor, uh, I said I said the term mission accomplished because I was trying to get these uh, signatures for a little while now and I couldn't locate the people. So she says, oh, well, it looks like you got all of <laughs> you got the, uh, the John Henry's, but I'm thinking it's not John Henry, it's uh, John Hancock. So that was fascinating. She said John Henry. So John Henry is 
know, so I walked off thinking that. So that's that's all I have this week. That is that is a telling uh, Freudian slip there uh, for her to uh, to make that comment and say you got there, John Henry's and not John Hancock. Um, I know we for folks who listen to the cows for a while we have mentioned John Henryism and John Henry uh, for years is a black uh, male. The 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 fable the mythology is uh, this black male competed against. Uh, a machine and, and driving railroad spikes and worked so hard that uh, his heart uh, exploded. And there are theories uh, postulated. There's a black professor at Duke University. Uh, he calls it John Henryism uh, in terms of black people's quality of health uh, eroding as a result of racism and trying to work so hard uh, and the stress that you have to deal with as a result of ra- uh, racism, white supremacy, uh, that they have just turned that John Henryism, uh, working so hard to overcome everything that the system of white supremacy does to black people in all areas of people activity. But that is, and I suspect that white people are not ignorant about that concept or who the person, uh, John Henry even is. Uh, but that is fascinating, uh, that she would, uh, she would make switch up those two. I've not. I've heard people use the term John Hancock before in, in talking about signatures. I don't think I've ever heard anyone uh, conflate those two names, John Hancock and John Henry. Um, that is another interesting one as well. I think sometimes people have thought about because racists can be nice. Uh, they don't just have to sit around and be calling you a nigger and that sort of thing and, you know, plotting and scheming right in front of you, talking bad and we're going to get you fired and that sort of thing. They can be very, very nice, all smiles, super courteous, pleasant. They can do that and still practice racism to have this white judge talking to all of these black people and being nice and friendly. And then this is what he's watching on his mobile device. That is just a good one to kind of keep in mind. Uh, and I think even Mr. Fuller has this in the original code book that racists, they can be nice and still practice racism, white supremacy, that that is one of the ways that they are most devastating to kind of get us to not be suspicious and think, Oh, okay, this is, this person is not a racist. I can trust them. And then bang, they can go to work once you have uh, dropped your guard, as they say. Uh, other folks have commentary. I see we have some other people who have not shared. I'm going to try and make sure we get everybody in. And then if you all have other comments you want to make sure you uh, share, get in. We'll have time for that also. Anybody that we have not heard from? Anybody we, we have not heard from at all? Do you have comments you want to share? Any callers? That can we... hear yes, uh, I think that was a male caller. Yes, sir. I think we can hear you. Yes, sir. Good evening, Mr. Gus. Good evening, everyone. Uh, just coming here to give some uh, uh, information on the observations that I made at work. Uh, it's a little bit of uh, I'm, I'm a little depressed. That's why I'm talking like this. But other than that, um, I, I found to, I found out that writing uh, information down and when you communicate with your supervisors, always email because it becomes a legal document within the system that the facility uses. Uh, I try my best not to verbally communicate uh, concerns. I always try to write it down and email them. Uh, I had to sign a certain document. And for any document that I sign, I always try to get a copy of it and keep it in my records. That's another codified response that, um, that I use, just giving it out there for other people to use it for whoever's listening to the show. And... Uh, 
just being codified in this way, I've, I, I didn't know that it took this much training. Um, it was very difficult in the beginning, especially after listening uh, to this show. I think I would say the show has uh, changed my life completely. Um, I didn't know uh, racism, uh, white supremacy was this serious. I, I really didn't know it was this serious. Um, and when you when you become more aware, it, it's very you can almost go crazy um, when you find out it's this serious. So every every move that I make is like very calculated and very meticulous and. Um, I would advise everyone to do the same thing as well. Um, yeah, it, it takes a lot of training. For me, it was very difficult. It was more of, a, of an emotional um, hardship that I had to go through in order to transition myself into that. But just like when you go into the Army, you have to get trained to become a soldier. So it's, it's the same type of training. Um, other things, there's two more things I'd like to just point out, then I won't take too much time. Uh, I've noticed that when I'm in the workplace, uh, I would have to do. I would have to be uh, subjected to do uh, other tasks that people who are at a. I don't want to say lower position, but a different position than myself. And then I would have to do it, and the others wouldn't. And I would always uh, find them looking at me and observing me very close. I'm very aware of my surroundings, especially after listening to the show, like I've just described. So I always catch them watching me, like ve- like observing me, like a lab rat. Oh no, is this the no metaphor one? No, sir. Okay, okay, yeah, just observing me like a like a lab rat. I mean, every move I make, it's it can make you go crazy because you, you just when you become that aware, and just to know that it was always there and you did not notice it. For me, it almost made me go crazy, like having a nervous breakdown, because I didn't know it was that serious. But they watch you like a hawk. They really watch you. And uh, one more thing I'd like to add is that um, me as a person, I'm usually very, like, um, again, like I said, I'm very meticulous and very calculated with every move that I make, especially after listening to this show. And when you don't talk about sports at all, and, um, and I guess if you don't have a social media or anything like that, they see you as, oh, Mr. Perfect and arrogant. Who does he think he is? But then when uh, a white person does the same thing, they just say, oh, that person is just quiet. He's such a nice person. When you do it as a black person, it's, oh, they're so arrogant. Who do they think they are? And yeah, that, that, that's it. It's just there's so much going through my mind and I can't really get too much information out because I, sometimes I feel overwhelmed because of uh, the stress and that I have to go through. Um, and, and just knowing that for future, uh, for the future, like for whatever endeavors that I have to, that I'm going toward, like I know that I have to face that stress and that's what really overwhelms me. And just the simple fact that like, even if you go to school or you work hard to accomplish something, you can just lose it all in one second by, you know, a police officer or something or some racist act. And that's what makes it more depressing to me. And I start to think about my, my, my family and, and, and me, you know, getting married and will I be able to protect, protect my wife and my kids and all that? So, you know, but anyway, that, that's all I have to share. That's all I have to share. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. That stress is, is real important, uh, taking that seriously. I know that's something we've talked about over the years, just the stress that comes with being a victim of white supremacy and uh, just figuring out ways to manage uh, our mental health as best we can, uh, figuring out just acknowledging the times when you are stressed, uh, when you're upset, 
uh, when you're sad, acknowledging that and then making space uh, to do things that you enjoy that are constructive, uh, taking time <clears throat> uh, to just to rest, to do what you need to kind of replenish. Extremely important. Uh, and a lot of that starts just by acknowledging. But I think that's something that we all of us should be making sure that we uh, do on a regular basis, uh, just making sure that we're making an evaluation because this system is designed uh, to keep us stressed, angry, unhappy, anxious. Uh, it's designed to produce all of that. And that comes with a host of uh just really damaging health consequences uh, as a result of racism, white supremacy. So just being mindful of that. Uh, are, there, are there other folks that we have missed, other folks that we have not heard from at all who had comments they wanted to share? May I say something to, to, to the caller who just spoke? Uh, if you can give us uh, one second, I just want to make sure that we don't miss anybody, uh, anyone who has not been able to share at all. Anybody that uh, dialed in that we have not heard from at all have comments they want to make sure they share? Uh, have they heard? Yes, sir. Uh, greeting guests and all the callers uh, and listeners. Um, uh, I wanted to say that uh, white people are still up to their uh, triple T tricks again. Uh, this is actually a situation that happened today. Um, I start from the beginning. Me and a, a black coworker were actually discussing work, and it was just uh, just us two. And a white guy walks up, and, um, and we, I mean, we know the white guy. He's one of our coworkers, but uh, he walks up, and he wanted to ask us a question. And so what he does, he proceeds to look over his shoulder, and that gesture, uh, gesture usually means that they're comfortable with you, but they're actually about to say something that's kind of foul or maybe even racist. Uh, so he proceeds to ask if we knew how to pronounce a certain black name, and I actually don't know how to pronounce it, but he uh, proceeded to write it down on a piece of paper to kind of spell it out for us. And um, I didn't know what it was, but I kind of looked at it, and I just told him, um, my, my response was, uh, what did I say? I said, I don't know, but I'm sure it's, it's cultural. And, uh, and I told him it was kind of like the one that we spoke about in our cultural sensitivity training that we had at work. And that was my kind of way of, of shedding them up. And so what he did, he immediately kind of turned red. But the other guy was still trying to guess what the name was. But so while he was doing that, I just kind of walked off. And I said all that to, to say that um, even when we are codified on the job, they're still trying to find a way to infiltrate our codification, whether it's, you know, questions, uh, jokes, blatant statements. And so just try to, uh, I'm just trying to remind everybody to kind of stay on their P's and Q's and, you know, stay codified. And I'll meet my line. Excellent reminder. Need that consistently remain vigilant uh other folks that we anybody that we have not heard from make sure we do not have people lollygagging and wait till the last minute uh, if you dialed in with a hand up uh let's go ahead and hear from you if we have not if you have not spoken at all do you have anything you want to share now we heard yes sir okay i'm just gonna quickly share um some of the things that happened over the past few days. Um, <clears throat> um, 
I work in a in a middle school, and um, uh, since uh, school has started um, um, from Tuesday, uh, white these uh, white white women have um, kind of up their up their ante and and how they're dealing with uh, dealing with the the black male teachers, um, specifically uh, myself and um, uh, well. A few, a few other teachers that um, work in the special education department, and um, <clears throat> uh, pretty much, um, you know, just uh, a little tacky, you know, terroristic behavior, um, blaming, um, putting the blame on on, on black teachers for uh, for students not um, not being compliant or not following the guidelines or expectations, things like that. And um, what 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 I've noticed, um, this uh, one teacher that was promoted to to a director director's position, um, uh, she pretty much uh, stated in an email that um, uh, this is the first time she's in a position where she's not um, directly supporting students. Uh, she's there to support staff. And whatnot, but um, you know, she's never really so supportive. You know, she just uh, pretty much stands around or sits in the classroom and you know, just writes, jots down little notes or whatnot. And um, yeah, like not not really supportive or you know, or helping in in any kind of way. And uh, what I've noticed um, since uh, she's been uh, the director. She uh, she keeps um, uh, pretty much like shooting down all the suggestions that uh, we come up with and strategies we come up with uh, to implement in the classroom, um, different ways of learning and you know just different ways of uh, presenting the information to to the students. But um, she never offers no solutions. You know, like she'll just say like, um, "Well, I, I don't think you should do this. I don't think this will work." Or, like well, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't put this up or whatever, but I'll never I'll never give you um uh, a solution or whatever or tell you what what it is that uh she wants you to do. But um it's it's it's, it's terrible on a job, you know. Um working working in the school system. Uh that's that's all I'll share for now. Thank you. Those criticisms with no suggestion, standard operating procedure in the system of white supremacy. Criticism, this is wrong, this is wrong, but no real suggestion on what would be the best way to go about doing this to uh, make improvements. Uh, when there are other folks that uh, chimed in that we have not heard from, just making sure we didn't miss anybody, anybody we have not heard from at all. Alrighty, when we get to the end, we're wrapping. Do not think you're going to just be sliding in like, oh man, Gus, we just got one, two more things I want to get in once we get to the bottom of the hour. Uh, feel free to chime in now, 641-715-3640, and the code is 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you would like to participate. Uh, student in learning, uh, did you 
have you said you had a comment that you wanted to make? Then we'll hear from anybody else, regardless of whether you spoke or not. Student in learning. Uh, I just had a senior moment, and I forgot what I was about to say now, so I'll wait to the prayer. Sorry. <laughs> My fault. I, I think it was a question in response to one of the more recent callers that dialed in. Well, I don't know if it was the male caller who was talking about the stress he was facing uh, on the job and dealing with all this. Uh, it was one of the more recent folks who uh, dialed in to share. Oh, uh, yeah, about the guy who was saying he was experiencing some stress and my thought and uh, words to him is that he's experiencing a transformation about racism, and white supremacy, what it is and how it works. And he's relearning everything that he has been taught in the past. And it's a good thing that he is becoming more knowledgeable about racism, and white supremacy, what it is and how it works, because we all are students in learning. So keep up the good work and you will learn how to find time to rest and meditate through all of the war games that we are subjected to by white people. I concur 100%. Thank you, sir. Hey, guys, can I speak to, to the same caller? Yes, sir. All right. Um, yeah, um, the uh, um, still learning. I think what he said was really profound. Um, I think what you like, like he was saying, what you're going through is kind of like a form of initiation, and initiation can be very uncomfortable because it is a transformative process. Um, so I understand your discomfort completely. One of the things I wanted to recommend to you and any of the other callers is on YouTube. You can find videos. They, um, well, they're not really videos, but they're in the form of videos since they're on YouTube but for different uh, healing tones. One is uh, 639 hertz, um, 528 hertz, and you just look it up, and it basically sounds that you can listen to that will literally facilitate transforming your brainwave frequency to something that is more calming and healing. It's something that um, I've talked to other uh, black people who, of course, have talked to me about racism, and it helps them. I've utilized them myself. Um, meditation is also something that I think can be really good as far as helping to dissipate that internal negative energy and also gaining control of your internal processes so that you're not as stressed out and as anxious um, in between the moments that you, let's say, are doing your job or whatever the case may be. If you can get into a routine of meditating um, early in the morning, um, as, as early as you can get up, just take some time and, and really focus. And, and, and if you can get into meditating in the morning and then right at night before you go to sleep, I think it'll help facilitate um, a, a more um, uh, relaxing situation for you as you're transitioning through this transformation of understanding the system of white supremacy. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was in regards to Gus, you were talking about um, the manual, reading your manual. I think that is essential. Uh, the reason why is because um, anything having to do with FMLA or those government-protected um, issues will be there because they won't tell you anything verbally, but the law forces them to put it in the manual. For myself, I actually am awaiting my FMLA papers to go through right now. They're in process on my job. And about eight years ago, when I was working at uh, Comcast, um, I knew nothing about FMLA. I started going through some health issues about two years into the job, and I worked there for six years. So um, two years into the job, someone actually mentioned it to me, and it literally saved my job for the entire time I was there. And now that I've transitioned to this new position, I'm actually doing the same thing. 
And it's something that um, I tell, I've talked about FMLA on the show before, but I try to tell as many black people as possible about it, especially when I hear from them that they're going through, whether it's a personal issue where they're caring for a loved one, or if it's a health issue that they're dealing with themselves that may be chronic or something like that. Those are things that can definitely protect your job, even if you have run out of, let's say, your vacation, sick and holiday pay. A lot of times um, companies will, you know, continue to pay you for the time you take off using FMLA, but they'll use up your vacation, sick time, things like that. But even if you ran out of that, that, um, those, that, those hours, essentially it'll still protect your position. You just won't get paid if you use up all of your paid time off, but you will be able to come back to your job and not have to worry about them getting rid of you for any reason. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. Thank you very much for taking my call. And I hope that information helps, but you can definitely look up the different frequencies. There's tons of them, but I say the standouts will be 639 hertz, 528 hertz, um, 432 hertz, um, 396 hertz is another good one. It's 693 hertz. Thank you very much, and I'll mute my line. May I be heard? Yes, sir. There's a couple. There's two more things I wanted to add. Um, I know it's, it's, it 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 uh, it depends on what state you're in, but regardless of what state you're in, it's oh, I feel that it's always best to record while you're working. And um, what I do is that, uh, let's say, for example, if I'm recording after, if one hour passes so that I don't use up all the memory um, in my phone, if one hour passes and no activity has occurred, I delete it and renew the recording so that if any, uh, any um, situation occurs, I then save that and then start recording again. So I would advise any, like anyone that works in a workplace, you should always record just for your own safety, I mean, regardless of what the law is in your state, because at the end of the day, it's your safety that matters the most. So that's one thing. Second thing is that um, for whatever rules they have at the workplace, for example, um, rules that are enforced um, to limit Internet usage or just anything like that, um, you can take pictures, but there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a special way to take pictures. You don't actually have to take the picture. You can just put your phone on video record and walk by the person while it's on video record, and then when you get the chance, play the video and just screenshot the frames that you need in order to you know, protect yourself and just save them on your phone and uh, send it into your computer. So that's, that's another codified um, tactic um, that I use, and I would advise for everyone to do that because you always want to have – um, I would say, um, like some kind of artillery so that, cause, because you never know, you always want to be prepared. You never know. And that's because of the show and listening to Neely Fuller and Mr. Gus and all the other people that he's brought on the show, it's, uh, made me able to, I guess, to adapt to this kind of, uh, mindset and this type of strategy. So that's what I do. That's what I would advise everyone else to. Thank you very much. I'm Neil What, uh, what app do you use on your phone to do the audio recordings? Cause I know people have asked about that in specific apps before. Um, I, my phone automatically it, it just comes with the um, recording um, you should be able to search your phone if you have that type of phone like an Android um, they, or if you have iPhone it says like voice memos or just something it always has some type of recording um, feature to it so I mean that's what my phone has Android and iPhone usually has that other phones I'm not too sure about but most phones usually have that up to date phones have that for, for audio recording but for video recording Again, you can run that through and just screenshot the frames you feel that are important and then save it and delete the video. You can keep the video, but that's what I do. Right on, right on. Uh, anybody that has uh, commentary, feel free, regardless whether you spoke up before anyone who had 
questions or other observations they want to share, comments about what some of the other callers have shared? Yes, sir. I have uh, three more things. Uh, <clears throat> briefly, back to uh, Ms. Davis, uh, with the, with, which the article did not uh, emphasize. Uh, Ms. Davis also was a former president of the Progressive Firefighters Association. You know, just like most jobs, uh, because of racist white supremacy, you have your black nurses, your black teachers, uh, organizations. Uh, with the fire department, you have, you have uh, uh, black-orientated uh, 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 organizations. Uh, primarily, they're designed to... Uh, to uh, uh, mention to their the the, the more powerful uh, people in charge, uh, hey, uh, we need to uh, get more more black people uh, on the uh, entry level as far as employment and also promotions. Uh, she's been the past president. She's been very vocal, uh, and I say that in a constructive manner. She has been. Uh, so that is going to. Uh, serve as a, uh, a big detriment for her uh, lawsuit uh, to uh, materialize into something productive for her, uh, in my opinion. Uh, also, it's just like I think I heard Mr. Fuller say, and it makes uh, uh, it just logical. If a white person is not going to come and state, hey, uh, so-and-so uh, uh, is being mistreated, and uh, you should stop that mistreatment for that for, from that that uh, black person. Uh, then uh, EEOC, all different uh, so-called organized uh, efforts to change your equation is probably not going to change because these white people are not playing and not playing around on these jobs as far as maintaining the global system of racist white supremacy uh, and the people that give employment. And uh, they would uh, uh, switch around uh, rules and regulations to their to their uh, uh, best interests and to your detriment uh, forever uh, until you know that the, the system is neutralized. Uh, the NFL, uh, the program, uh, hard knocks. The only thing I can say about it is wow, uh, it's been around for about four or five years. But yet, uh, so it must be pretty popular. And can you imagine being on your job? And that's basically what that is. That's their job. Uh, being on your job. And at the same time, I am filming you as you're getting fired. You know, I mean, this is common. Uh, this particular year, the team is the Los Angeles, the, the, the now back to Los Angeles Rams. Uh, we also saw Chad, Chad Johnson, uh, who I knew personally as a little boy, uh, uh, get fired in front of a national televised office, uh, 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 that national televised uh, viewing. Uh, this particular last episode uh, showed a black male. And I, and I think, if, I think if all of this is done by on purpose, because primarily the NFL, as far as the players are concerned, it's probably in the vicinity of about 75 to 80% black males, primarily. So any type of negativity or any part or detriment that comes upon an employee is probably going to be a black person that is not going to be too good for that person. 
as far as they're concerned. Mind you now, they make at least the lowest salary they can make is six figures. And still, nevertheless, of the money that they have, uh, it just shows you the power of this global system of racism, white supremacy. They're treated like children, little children. These big, uh, strapping uh, black males are literally treated like children on a daily basis in this profession. Uh, if you care to, you can, you can, you can study it yourself. Uh, moving on, uh, last but not least, uh, today at football practice, uh, I'm not only a retired firefighter, I'm, I've been a high school football coach since 1981, and I use football as a vehicle uh, to be able to uh, get into the same setting with black males, young black males, to share with them. Uh, today's football practice, uh, had a chance after practice to talk to, uh, well, she was in the capacity of a parent, but uh, her profession, she is the principal of the junior high school that I, that I attended. And one good thing about it, uh, I did not bring up racism, white supremacy. Basically, she brought it up through, uh, in conversation with myself, the head football coach, uh, and she was talking about, although she is the principal of a uh, middle school, she cannot prevent white people from mistreating our children, therefore non-white black people on a daily basis, based on how they can uh, 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 use, utilize law, laws and rules like tools to be able to uh, subjugate and mistreat people, uh, such as, uh, you know, special programs in schools. They can manipulate it to whereas certain people could come in, certain people cannot come in based on a filtering system. And generally, that's from the standpoint of the three schools the three schools that is in the area where I grew up at, uh, one is the elementary school. You just can't walk into the school, although you may stay right across the street. Uh, same thing about the, uh, what I call a junior high school, but actually call them middle schools now. The same thing. You, you may be a couple, couple of homes down from the school. You just can't walk in there and go to school there. You have to qualify. You have to qualify grade-wise and some kind of GPA-wise and whatnot, that sort of thing. And that's basically what she was saying. And what it tells me is that, and it's similar, it's going all, all the way up to the president, uh, quote-unquote, of the United States. Uh, policy is not voted on. You can, come, you can get the job. You can get the job, and anybody can get the job. But basically, policy-wise, you have to abide by the policy, whatever that policy is. Who controls the policy? White people, as far as they're concerned. You go outside of that box, then you get in trouble, period, as far as they're concerned. So uh, that's basically some of the things that I, uh, that I had additionally. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you. Sure. Important to keep in mind, uh, dealing with black people that uh, have been given a particular position or a title, that we are still in the system of racism, white supremacy, regardless of the title that that black person has. 
they are not the most powerful person with regards to what's going to happen uh, in that particular environment. Very, very important to keep that in mind at all times, even if you happen to be the black person who has been given a particular title. Uh, other folks who had comments they wanted to share? Can I be heard? Uh, if you could speak up, that would be helpful. Thomas in New York. Is this better? Uh, a tad. Okay. Um, well, I had um, wanted to add something because, um, you know, a call from, I believe she's a female caller from Michigan who um, works at the law firm. It brought back a memory. Um, I was working at a law firm, and um, I worked there at the time for about two years. And um, what I would do at the end of the night is I would have to leave a card on everyone's um, outbox, you know, mail where their mail would go and things, um, packages or whatever they had to be mailed out. And on the card it read, you know, this was the final pickup of the day. Um, please don't put any more mail out. You know, um, you know, you're responsible to, you know, handle your own mail at this point. It's, it's um, you know, everything is picked up. So um, a white lawyer, um, and this wasn't a older, you know, someone who had a lot of status. He was a young white lawyer. Um, one day I come to work and he claims that this envelope he left in his outbox um, and I didn't pick it up. So um, it became like a big deal. Um, you know, I come in and I have to meet with my supervisor and manager and, um, you know, I'm trying to recollect, you know, what, what, you know, what could have happened. And then, I, you know, I kind of remember, I can't remember exactly what it was. This was a while ago. But it was something that happened that let me know that, yeah, I did do this. You know, I, I did. I remember specifically doing this one, and it was nothing there. I put the card, and uh, he must have put something there afterwards. So me and my supervisor walked there. We don't see the card, which makes it look like, you know, I'm not telling the truth. And, um, you know, this is, um, find out later, you know, that this is, they're gonna, they could be sued. This had a date to be there, you know, it was supposed to be there that day. And if it wasn't fouled, this, that, and the other. So either way, um, I come, I go to lunch and all day I'm thinking, you know, oh, this is my last day. And, um, I come back from lunch and they have another meeting. And this time it's my manager, my supervisor the guy who's accusing me of not picking this package up. And there's also um, some people who I didn't know, who I found out later were some partners that was over him. And it um, turns out that they ran the tape. And I did put a card there um, at 7 o'clock like I was supposed to. And um, at around 8.05, he comes, he, puts, he picks up the card, puts it in his bag, and leaves a package there. And then he's claiming that I didn't pick up his package, which could have cost me my job, you know. And then he um, breaks down and, you know, like she said, the guy, you know, he, he wasn't um, erratic. He just said, listen, I'm under a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, you know. Um, so they asked me to leave at that point. And um, I knew my job was secure. But um, that guy didn't get fired from what I saw. Um, he was still there even after I left the company. So um, they do look each other out. And um, here's someone who was caught on tape blatantly lying. You know, he swore he left it there. 
but you put it the car in your bag. Like I mean, it was that was like um, premeditated. Like you were you was framing someone, you know. And I'm my line. I think that sort of thing happens all the time. Has been happening for decades, really, <laughs> in terms of how black people are terrorized and how we end up losing our jobs and being falsely accused. Standard operating procedure. Uh, and the same thing uh, where if in one of the rare instances where the truth comes out, you do have some sort of uh, video footage that didn't get lost or somehow the camera broke and, you know, we didn't get this, you know, segment of the, the recording uh, for whatever reason, there's an error. And so we don't have any footage um, where invariably that white person does not get fired. They get transferred. They get sensitivity training. They were just under a little stress. His dog died. The cat had, you know, rabies that week. It was just it was a tough time. And, you know, we're just going to hang in there as a family and get through this. That's what happens if the offender is classified as white, as opposed to what happens when it is a black person where they're looking to go a totally opposite direction. That might be grounds for calling the police for charges to be filed. Uh, other folks have comments they wanted to make sure they got in. Questions, comments, uh, other observations. Last few minutes before we uh, get ready to wrap up. I have a question that I want to pose to everyone here in the room this evening. Can I put forth my question? Yes, sir. I have been on my job for approximately 20 years. Uh, for about, um, since I have been learning about racism, white supremacy, I say for about the, um, about five years at best, uh, I have not felt secure on the job, and I go into work with the mind frame and thought that I could be let go today. And I have taken that position, I'd say, for about five years now, and also because of the learning of racism, white supremacy. And I also have been saving money since I have been in that state of mind, because I believe when you save money, money will save you. Uh, and I wonder how many people here this evening have also um, f um, believed that uh, they are not secure on their job no matter how long they've been there. Because I've heard a couple of times where people say, I've been on my job a number of years and I feel secure but that is not the case and I've been on mine for 20 years and I wonder how many of us believe that we have a sense of security since we've been on the job for 10 or 20 years uh, and I think that is part of our uh, deception and um, deception of racism and white supremacy as well when we believe that we've been on a job for so long and that it's uh, a secure, secure place. And my question is, how many people in here this evening believe that they are secure on their job no matter how long they've been on that? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. 
um, to answer the caller's question. Um, I've said this on the show numerous times. I don't trust white people at all. Um, the longest job I was on recently was for six years, and I didn't believe I would be there every 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 day I went to, went there. I thought like you did. Um, no matter what job I have, I always keep my resume updated and um, usually circulating, so I have an idea of what jobs are out there for that reason. I said that on the show before, so I totally um, agree with you. There is no such thing as security. Um, matter of fact, when I worked at Comcast, I experienced that where, um, like I said, I worked there for six years, and coming up on the fifth going, in, going into the beginning of the sixth year, they started to make changes in the department. I worked in the collections department there, and I... I saw saw exactly what was coming, and it was me. We had about 50, roughly 50 people in our department, and it was about five of us out of that 50 that understood what was coming. And we said this over a year before the fact, and as things started to progress into that sixth year, they started to make more and more oppressive decisions and outsourcing things. And I said, I'm telling you, I was coming. And we had people that worked there for over 20 years, 15 years, Excuse me, and they were just so secure uh, under the impression that they were secure that they blew off everything that we said, and I'll never forget it because they let us go. Let let us go the same day that I started, which was October twenty fifth, two thousand and eight, was when I started. October twenty fifth, uh, two thousand and fourteen, was when they let us go. And I remember we came to work. It was a regular day. We started our jobs. Got got on the phones. Did we had to do. And at midday on the dot, they called us in for an, a departmental meeting. We went into the meeting, and they said, this is your last day. You need to pack up everything. And I had never seen more black people collapse. And I mean literally collapse. Some of them started praying. They, they were hysterical um, because some of them had just bought houses. Some of them just um, started paying for their kids to go to school. Some of them just got vehicles. So they, some of them really had financial situations where they could not afford to be out of work. And, um, you know, I really felt for them because I, I saw it. Like I said, it was only a handful of us, but they just were so secure that they've been there for 20-something years, 15-plus years, that it was not going to happen. And when it happened, they were devastated. So I just I agree with you. I think, you know, I don't know what anyone else feels, but I would just say that's a great way of functioning, even though it can be very stressful psychologically sometimes or agitating to the spirit to have to feel so insecure. But the reality is that's what we're dealing with. Thank you. Other folks want to respond to that question? Limited time that we have left. Ask me, have you heard? Yes, sir. Yes, just uh, just to respond to the question. Um, I was actually having a uh, this uh, conversation about uh, securing feeling securing a job today with uh, another coworker, and um, I, I shared with him that um, you know, since I've uh been learning more about the system of racism, white supremacy, and um, becoming less confused. Like, because uh, he was expressing to me that, um, you know, a uh, supervisor, white supervisor, um, like, she wakes up coming coming to the school just looking to terrorize him or, you know, students or what whatnot, you know? And I told him that, you know, I, I wake up, um, and I, I head to the job expecting, uh, you know, the, the worst kind of behavior from from racists, you know. Like, absolutely, you know, like, every day can be my last day on, on, on the job. 
um, that's that's how I felt for a while, a while now. You know, I I can't ever remember, even when I was less confused about the system, uh, I still can't remember a time where I ever felt uh, secure on on any job. And um, you know, even to a, a little deeper, just a sense of security and even in your house, you know, um, like to share one situation, I was renting this this place from uh, uh, a white person, and um, uh, I was a tenant for two years, and he let the house go into foreclosure and, and never told, you know, never never told me or my family, you know. And uh, we got a notice one day from, from the sheriff saying that we got to evade, uh, leave the property, it's in foreclosure and all this type of stuff, and he just stopped answering our calls, so... You know, whether on the job or in your personal life, and there's really no security uh, for black folks under the system of uh, racism, white supremacy. That's that's my conclusion. I'm using my line now. Hey, really, when you think about it, man, that that whole situation goes back to the plantation. Because it didn't matter how long you was on that plantation. Could still be sold any day, any time. You know, um, doesn't matter how loyal you were to the master. Your kids could be stole away from you and sold. So I mean, they they've never had a genuine um, way, especially when it comes to employment or labor, whether forced or or not. You know, they don't have any loyalty at all to black people. Uh, another instant uh, thing that happened today, actually on on the job, um, about uh, five um, uh, black um, uh, teachers. Uh, we were in a in a in a in the classroom um, having a discussion, and uh, one white teacher came in the room, uh, and as she opened the door, you know, we all looked to the door, and uh, she just had this surprised look on her face, and she's like, um, "Am I interrupting a meeting?" And uh, I said, "Yes." Before anyone answered, and she was, she just came on, and she's like, "Why do you guys look so suspicious?" And she's like, um, "And I said, actually, you're the one that's looking kind of suspicious right now." And she said, um, "Oh my gosh, I hope I didn't interrupt anything. You guys look like y'all are conspiring, you know." But uh, she asked for some help, lifting something, broke up uh, whatever meeting we were having, and and. Um, yeah. Tell me my line. Uh, excuse me, sir. Is the area you are a teacher at uh, are, are the, all, a, a lot of or the majority of the uh, students are non-white black? Uh, yes, sir. Um, 99.9% Wow. Black wow. Um, I'm in New Orleans, she, Louisiana. Wow. She knows exactly what y'all are attempting to do for the betterment of those black children. She knows exactly. She, matter of fact, she knows, she probably knows better than most of the people who are in the, who are in the meeting. Or even if you're talking to one, one another, one, one on one, she knows exactly what's going on. Wow. Uh, Yes, sir. And um, her title on the job is school psychologist, so she's aware of what's going on, more aware than any um, uh, non-white person on that job. 
That is that is correct. That is correct. Uh, one that just reminded me of, of of me. I'm, I'm going to report the the white male that I was talking about a few months ago, who literally just stormed out of a meeting and quit. Now he is trying to service on the junior varsity, which is the younger children, the younger children. Uh, and, I, and I suspect to stay away from me because, like I mentioned months ago, is that I, I uh, confronted him in the meeting because he, he is stating to about with training the quarterbacks that he's not going to, he, I'm not going to do all of that. I said, well, you, well, you don't need to be coaching. If you if you're not going to be if you're not going to be uh, 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 doing it, by by the uh, the athletic director uh, to go back go back to the meeting because otherwise he wouldn't have went back to the meeting. But now he's resurfaced to go on the junior junior varsity as far as that concern, you know. And uh, also, this is the same white male. Gus and, 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 and everybody is that it's the same one that is that is in a sexual relationship with a non white black person at the same time. So he's already a racist. And and, and and I'm pretty sure that he is as he is itemizing all of the other coaches and all of them are non white black. I would not coach football at all if I had to coach under a uh, under a white person, period. I don't care if it's the NFL. You know, it doesn't make a difference. I mean, I'm just saying that I'm not even interested in NFL or college. But, but uh, I wouldn't do it. But uh, uh, he is uh, uh, he is not he, he is definitely not a trustworthy person. Is what I'm saying, and he knows that I know that. As far as that concern, I'm I'm pretty sure that, that he's aware of of that of that presence, and uh, and he just makes the decision that he he's not going to. It's not really worth it for him to be in the environment because in the meetings that we have, he's the only white person and he's not, he's not written in as the person in charge within that particular meeting. A black male is that I've been known for almost 30 years. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. She's very aware of it. Thank you for your, your, uh, for your report. Appreciate that as well. Uh, we pretty much did our uh, three hours uh, just in response to the teacher in New Orleans. He's participated in a lot of our workplace racism segments. Uh, he's being accused of conspiring. Uh, once again, just the, the connotation and denotation, the significance of words, uh, where it's not we're having uh, a meeting to plot out a course to make sure that we are producing uh, the next generation of scholars to uh, improve the city of uh, New Orleans and the state of Louisiana and to make sure that we're doing all we can uh, to nourish these young black minds of the black boys and girls that we work with every day. That's not what it's thought of. It's, oh, my Lord, is this Al Qaeda? Is this some sort of terrorist cell uh, going on here? Like, my Lord, it's that's the way that 
it is spoken about. That's what she, I mean, just based on what you said, that's, those are the type of words that are employed. And I think that's pretty consistent with the, in, 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 with regards to the way that black people are talked about, even going all the way back to one of the first people that dialed in where uh, the caller said that this white employee is throwing up gang signs and, and mocking black people. That's just the way that black people are thought about. And that tends to be the response where white people, it is a cause of concern when they see black people being serious, especially if it's more than one black person. They're together. They're talking. They're not in conflict. They're not talking about, oh, man, LeBron James. And did you see the Olympics? And wow, that Gabrielle Douglas and uh, Simone Bile and all that. You're not talking about all that. You're talking about something serious, talking about th- serious things on the job. What you're going to be doing, that is cause for alarm. Like, whoa. This could be a problem. Can we get some mischief going? Can we get some gossip going? Can we fire somebody? Like, whoa, this is not supposed to be happening. And many, many folks uh, who have started to become less confused about racism have testified to that, that it, it seems to agitate and become a problem, particularly on the job when black people are conversing, being serious, not gossiping, not talking loud and goofy and crazy and just about, you know, athletics and what have you, that that seems to be something that immediately is noticed and can be a problem. Like you all shouldn't be doing that, even if they don't articulate that explicitly, just to keep that in mind. Also to the question that was raised about uh, the system of white supremacy does not allow for any black person to be secure in their job. I think that's really important. I know I've heard Mr. Fuller speak uh, for years where he said that, you know, we should always have that in mind and not, you know, be spending as though we're going to be on this job for the next 50 years. If it happens, that's great. But we're saving. Uh, We're not accumulating uh, a whole lot of unnecessary items and what have you. So you have to move, you know, 10 million pieces of furniture and other little knickknacks and things that you've picked up uh, over the years uh, just to kind of have that in mind, because that is more and more of the type of strategy that is being employed uh, so that a black person is not able Uh, to remain employed in one particular place uh, with great benefits, uh, great salary and everything where you can just relax and, you know, kick back and work and just do your job for the next 15, 20 years or however long you want to be there. That that's increasingly that is not uh, what racists have in mind uh, to do everything that you can to keep the job as long as you want it. But just to, to not be thinking that way again, you're not surprised. And I even I remember one of our listeners, I think he was talking about his spot, uh, his spouse this is a black female where she was on the job and how I've talked about not having a lot of personal items at your desk or your work area. Just what do you need to accomplish your duties? That's the stuff that you should have there, not pictures and a candy dish and just a whole lot of frivolous things. Uh, That way, if they decide, you know, hey, we went on lunch and, you know, Dorothy Jackson, she's going to be fired today. If that should happen, same principle. You don't have eight million things that you've got to clean out your desk. I have a pen. I will get my pen. I can put that in my pocket and move along to, you know, trying to continue my career elsewhere. I think it's just really, really important just to have that in mind. I know that that is not uh, it's not the most comforting thing to think about. But the system of white supremacy is not comfortable in general. Uh, just, you know, about having a more serious uh, state of mind uh, that acknowledges the reality of white supremacy, racism, and what we should all be working to the best of our abilities to solve this problem as soon as possible. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow. Blood Brothers, uh, this is the fifth study session. We are 
quickly encroaching on the end of the book. I think after tomorrow we will have two sessions left and we'll be all done with Blood Brothers, the fatal friendship between Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. Same program time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Certainly we'll be here on Saturday. Compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. 6 p.m. Pacific compensatory call-in, and then we'll be here on Monday. That will be the day that we do our review of Sue Africa, the white female member of MOVE. Very much looking forward to reviewing uh, her performance on the broadcast earlier this week. Seems like ages ago, and it was just a few days back, but that'll be Monday. Normal broadcast time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, If you have questions, comments, uh, guest suggestions, if you can't find something in the archives, Drop us an email and we will get you a physical mailing address. Uh, the address again, until justice at gmail.com. Until justice at gmail.com. Uh, I'll read our final uh, submission from a listener before we wrap up. Uh, Carla, she was responding to the question that was asked. She says, I've never felt secure on any job I have had, even when I had a black employer. Where I am now, I am surprised that I have been there for almost a year. Every day, I think it could be my last. That should be the case even for President Obama. Mm. Anyway, uh, remain codified, workplace and otherwise. Uh, In my view, it would be best sobriety. As long as the system of white supremacy exists, that is the best plan for victims of racism, white supremacy. If you're going to be in a vehicle, uh, driver, passenger, even as a pedestrian, you do not want to be intoxicated under the influence of some substance and be stopped by Daniel Holtzclaw, Darren Wilson, any other race soldier, really white person with or without a badge can cause major problems in short order, including the loss of your life. We want to be able to make the best possible decisions to keep ourselves as safe as possible. You and anyone you might be responsible for. Just keep that in mind at all times. And again, one of the worst combinations in the known universe, whites alcohol bad bad horrendous combination uh with that we'll be back in about 24 hours invest in the program if you think it is constructive racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com paypal button is in the top right corner if you're not into paypal drop us an email we will get you a physical mailing address again huge thanks to all the folks who have invested supported us seven and a half years i hope the program has been continues to be worthy of your time and energy uh student in learning uh if you had uh, the prayer ready proceed gus thank you for the work that you do and to everyone here in the room this evening thank you for your constructive information that you provide to us Creator, black people are in a system of racism, and white supremacy. Creator, help black people to understand that white people practice racism, white supremacy in all areas of people activity, economics, education, entertainment, health, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war for the ultimate purpose of white genetic survival and to prevent white genetic annihilation on planet Earth. Creator, help black people to systematically transform 
their behavior for the purpose of justice and to guarantee that no black person is mistreated and to guarantee that the black person that needs help the most gets the most constructive help. Creator, thank you for the brilliant Dr. Francis Quest Wilson in my lifetime. Creator, help black people to resolve and remedy the problems of racism, white supremacy, and to replace it with justice immediately. Ashe. Context of white supremacy signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Yeah. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.